I, can I put in something like, this is American music, take one, one, two, three, four. Pop Culture Affidavit, episode 73. Do you like American music? I like American music. Don't you like American music? Baby. Albums that made us who we are. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Pop Culture Affidavit, the podcast that takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries. This time around, I have another big music-focused episode, and, and I'm also bringing back somebody who's been a guest on this show quite a few times already. In fact, she was on last time to talk about music, and that is my wife, Amanda. Um, Back in January, we responded to a Facebook meme, I guess you could call it, or a call for lists about uh, 10 albums that influenced you as a teenager, the most influential albums as a teenager or something like that. And uh, we decided to fill out our own lists and go album by album uh, through basically stuff from a lot of stuff from the early 90s and and, uh, in and around there. So you'll be hearing us on the other side of this quick commercial break, so stick around. Romance Comics Podcast, in which four guys talk about romance comics and about romances in comics with Siskoid. We're all uh, French Canadians here. Marty! In horror comics, there's often like this little, you know, <laughs> romance tinge, I guess. Okay. Bass! <laughs> we oh, just yeah. turned on him! <laughs> and yours truly, Fern. I'm very aroused. Featuring the overproduced wonder that is Romance Comics Theater every episode. Dan. I knew it couldn't last from the first day you eyeballed me when I reported to work. It wouldn't matter if I washed in laundry soap and came to work in a burlap sack. I'd turn you on. And you have the same effect on me. I... I do? The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, available at lonelyheartspodcast.wordpress.com and on iTunes. We've had a comic book end of the world is approaching. Soon the planet will be engulfed in a nuclear Armageddon, and the only people that can prevent this from happening are considered to be the greatest villains of all time. The only thing standing in their way is the The Justice Justice League. League. In 2005, uh, wait a second. Are, are we sure about that date this time? Yeah, it's 2005. We're sure this time. Let's just be perfectly clear. I hate all of you so much. Okay, good. Got that. All right. In 2005, 
DC Comics began publishing a 12-issue bi-monthly comic called Justice. Written by Jim Kruger with art by Alex Ross and Doug Braithwaite, this series was essentially a Super Friends for adults. And now another group of Super Friends has come together to discuss all 12 issues in a podcasting crossover called J.L. May 2017. The excitement begins on the April 30th episode of the Fire and Water podcast and continues into Supermates, the Idle Head of Diabolu podcast, Views from the Longbox, the Pulp to Pixel podcast, the Lantern cast, the Shazam cast, Comic Reflections, the Silver and Gold podcast, the Power of Fishnets, Waiting for Doom, and Justice's First Dawn, J.L. May. 2017. Last year, they covered the beginning of the Justice League. This year, they discuss and review the League's toughest battle. The coverage begins on April 30th on the Fire and Water Podcast, located at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Back on my feed says January 11th, which is probably probably within a day or two this thing started to go viral. Um, one of my friends posted this uh, list to Facebook, and the, the status read is this. Copy this and post this as a status update. List 10 albums that made a lasting impression on you as a teenager. Teenager was in all caps. But only one per band slash artist. Don't take too long and don't think too long. In no real order besides number one. And I, I had a hat tip to my friend Chris Lanham, who I have known since we were four. But I mean, he was the one who posted, and he had, he had, a, <clears throat> he had a list of albums. So, um, and then you followed suit a couple of days later with, mm-hmm. with, with a bunch. So we wanted to sit down here and uh, go through our albums, maybe talk about other albums we were listening to as, as teenagers, because, uh, I don't know, I had a lot of fun talking about the HF Festival last year <laughs> and, and, and the summer of 96, even though I never went to the HF Festival, but going back to talk about th- talking about music that we listened to in college yeah, was a lot of fun. So now we're going back to um, high school, basically. One year of college, but... I actually just had a, a brain flash. That's not the right phrase. This is my fourth glass of wine, so I apologize. But some sort of brainstorm that we should actually also, at one point, do uh, a, something, a chat about um, regrettable music choices oh, yes. in college. <laughs> because I have quite a few. And As I know, do I. And I have mixtapes from you uh-huh. that prove that you also have a few. Yes, yes. In fact, we could, that's where we can just break out the CD booklet and just start screw flipping through it because I never got rid of any of our yeah, CDs. Start with my sublime CDs and take it from there. Yeah, and then there's the whole ska thing that I got into for <laughs> about a year and a That's half. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, to, to, to the point where um, 
<laughs> to the point where it's it's regrettable where you maybe have like maybe one song that you don't skip over. Yeah. Um or or change the station or whatever. Yeah. Um I think a lot of my stuff was just you get that flash of, you know, it was very much of a time. Mm-hmm. And it does not age well. But yeah. I, I, I have already gotten us off track. No, That's no, not it's what okay. we're here to talk about it's today. Okay. And, and I have to, I have to qualify mine. I might bring in a couple of albums that aren't on this list because I was looking at this list and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them, I have talked about in some regard on either an episode of this show. Or two of them, I, I was a guest on the show Long Play, where me and another, me and Bob Fisher went through both of those albums song by song. Mm-hmm. So, uh, trying not to repeat myself too much. Um, but then again, I guess that's, you know, here are ten albums that were... I, and I like the phrase, made a lasting impression on you, because, you know, to me it was stuff that I listened to, like, all the time. And yeah. actively listened to. Because, I mean... I'm looking at this and there's not a single Metallica album on there, even though when I was a teenager, I had all of them up to um, the Black album and mm-hmm. then Load. I never bought the I never bought the hundred dollar box set. Mm-hmm. I taped some of the songs off of that from from a friend. But how about we do this? Do you want to go each go through like we'll switch off? Sure. So we'll start with. Um, are we going? Are we going to be like a one of those countdown shows where like um, number one, like Santa Claus is coming three hours from now, and we'll do number one last, or do you want to just do number one first? Let's just do number one first because the the way it was done was that um, the first one was the most made the most lasting impression on you, and okay. then all the rest of them you were just you didn't have to put it in any order. Yeah. So okay. so that was the only one ranked. Um and just to be clear, these are your teen years, so between the ages of thirteen and nineteen. So it's not even all of college. No, it's 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 uh it's, for me it would be up until the end of my freshman year of college. Or for us it would be up you, until the end of freshman year of college. Yeah, I mean you're only fifteen <laughs> days older, older than, than I am. <laughs> Wise senior painteries. As you said, this is the fourth glass of wine. I'll get started. Um, mine is an album that I've actually done a whole episode on, so we don't have to spend it too much time on it. Or I can ask what I can. I'll just ask what your opinion is on it, um, or you could talk about it <laughs> no, more than I can. Um, but I'll briefly state why it's the number one album there, and the album is Dookie by Green Day. Mm-hmm. Do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once? I am one of those melodramatic fools Neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it Sometimes I give myself the creeps Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me It all keeps setting up I think I'm crazy an album that I think still holds up because it's just really, really fun to listen to. But I've always credited it with the fact that this got me listening to other punk bands that are admittedly better than Green Day. Like, I don't think I would have listened to The Clash. So they were like your, your gateway my, they, drug. They, that's exactly how I've, how I've always put it. Yeah. They were my gateway drug into better punk music. So that's why. And, and honestly, 
when that came out, that was 90, I got it in the summer of 94. And I'd say by the time I hit the end of 95, I wasn't listening to the, I really wasn't listening to Metallica as much as I had been. And the heaviest stuff that I had been that I was listening to at that time was probably Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Because um, the Downward Spiral had also come out as well. So you know, yeah. And, but um, but Green Day really did change a lot of things for me. And I know this was um, this was one of the few albums that when we got together, we had in common. Yes. This and like every Stone Temple Pilots album. <laughs> yes. And I have one of those on my list, in fact. Okay. In fact, I might call an Audible and change which one I have on my list. Okay. But, um, yeah. I Yes, we both did have it in common. What's funny is, so, here's an odd thing. I think about, um, like, my high school years, and there are some areas of my life where I probably knew more than I should have. You know, being an only child, being around adults all the time, you pick up and hear things that probably you needed to wait a couple years before you knew what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, and then I think sometimes we fall into this trap too with Brett. You are so used to just having this kid that's more mature than their years and they're really comfortable around adults that you kind of find yourself acting more like an adult than is probably appropriate. And what I mean by that, that is not to say my parents were ever inappropriate, except when it came to music, (laughs) my dad, and actually credit to my dad. My dad is super cool. He's also super old, but like (laughs) my dad, my dad is awesome because like he loves everything. Like he loves any kind of music. Like he, I mean, He's the one, he he's the one who bought the Bell Biv DeVoe album. He's the reason. <laughs> like you're trying to just, so you know. Was that his Technotronic album that we? It was up? his Technotronic <laughs> album. It was his Soul to Soul album. He loves R and B music. He loves country. He loves, you know, he loves Luther Vandross as much as he loves Barbra Streisand. Like the man loves everything. And so he deserves all the credit in the world for teaching me to also have pretty diverse music taste, but also to really, really love R&B because that was always our, like, shared jam. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's probably no way, uh, I don't know, whenever Bell Bidvo came out, I think it was, like, 6th grade or 7th grade or whatever, like, Bobby Brown, like, my prerogative, most conservative households would not have their preteen teenage daughters listening to that music but my dad was like yeah crank it let's listen you know never trust a big butt and a smile that's right and um so so anyway i was more like i i probably knew more than was appropriate in that respect but then i was also really naive in a lot of other respects and so i didn't get the green day album until late like, I was, mm-hmm. I was late to the game, <laughs> laying, the, laying the groundwork for something else we're going to talk about later. But, like, um, so, so yeah, I, I, so I remember getting the Green Day album, and at first I didn't like them. Like, I did not like their first video. Um, long View? Long View, and he's, like, talking about jerking himself off. So I'm like, ah, I don't want to Believe it or not, Long View, the song that I liked that really turned me on to the band was Basket Case. Yeah, that's the one yeah. I like, too. Yeah, that and, you know, when I come around and, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, exactly. I liked Basket Case better, but I, I, you know, anyway. So, so yeah, so, and it was one of my guy friends who had kind of introduced me to it. So, I bought the the CD and my mom picked it up one day and, you know, the cover is like. Oh, it's, 
completely inappropriate. <laughs> she's like, Mandy, what is this? And I'm like, okay, you have no room to talk. <laughs> you know, whatever. So, um, so yeah, so I would, so I, that was one of my exposures, like, oh, like that sort of, that, that, that threshold where you're, you know, especially as a girl in the nineties, a yeah. girly girl. And you're like, oh, now I, I like, you know, punk bands and I like, you know, I, you start to push it what your assumed habits are, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, all the music I had up until that point was like, you know, Janet Jackson and Madonna, yeah. who, you know, obviously pushed boundaries too, but I didn't have a lot of male artists. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I hit high school that it started to push at that. And I just remember my parents kind of being like, we don't know what to do with you now because now you like <laughs> grungy boys from Seattle or wherever. Yeah. Um, you like a guy who sounds like he's British and is really from like... Oakland. Uh, Oakland, Oakland from California. Josh was from Oakland. Yeah, so, right. I just, so I've rambled on way too long. Feel yeah. free to edit this. But yes, that's, that's what I think about when I think about Green Day. That was kind of the point where my mom just kind of stopped wanting to like hear the music that I liked because mm. they're sharing music was a big thing in my family. Yeah. And the, there's a similar story related to one of the other, uh, albums I have on this list. But yeah, I just remember that was sort of an era mm-hmm. that early high school era where my parents were finally like, yeah, we don't, we don't need to know what you like to listen to anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that knowing punk was inevitable, at least at least knowing punk was inevitable um, in the 90s anyway because of what happened with Green Day. But in my high school, especially because... Um, and maybe... I don't know if this was a Long Island thing or just a suburban thing or suburban white kid thing. But as I was going through... I remember going through junior high and having a number of classmates who had older siblings in the high school. And they were getting their younger brothers, mostly the boys... Uh, and some girls into um, some like really, you know, beyond the alternative stuff like the Smiths and the Cure, like the Dead Kennedys and the Circle Jerks, um, the Violent Femmes, of course. And having didn't I didn't really start hearing any of that stuff until at least high school. Yeah. But I knew of these bands. So when I the Clash and the Sex Pistols, and I think the only I think the only punk band I had ever heard before Green Day. Was probably the Ramones. Although here's an embarrassing confession, mm. I had never heard "I Want to Be Sedated" until that episode of my so-called life where Angela and Rayanne are like getting ready to go out. <laughs> yeah, and whatever, Rayanne and they're bombs singing on stage. It. Yeah, and they're yeah they're singing it with Rayanne's mom or whatever. Yeah, and I was like, oh. Bum, 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 bum. I want to be sedated. I want to be sedated. I want to be sedated. Again, this complete naivete in certain areas of the world. And I was just like, oh, what's that song? I never heard that before. So Yeah, and then the Joker gets up and sings it on stage. Yeah. But half half of the people listening to this podcast are going, "What the Joker?" It's like Heath Ledger got up on stage. Jared Leto. Romero got up. Jared Leto. Prior to his thirty seconds, was that's the band's name, right? Thirty seconds to Mars. Yeah. Why are we talking about him? Anyway, because I'm rambling. 
Yeah. My my divergence from my parents' musical taste was a little <laughs> My dad, by the time we hit 93, 94, was listening to Garth Brooks and country music. And I know I have friends who like Garth Brooks and country music. I can't. I just can't with it. And the only thing I ever really actually... if The only place where my parents' musical taste and mine might line up is like listening to oldies every once in a while. Yeah. Because um, I do like my first year of oldies, but, you know... Well, I don't we like did steal their mamas and the papas out. Yeah, and, and a couple of Beatles albums. Of, yeah, so they, they, had, you know, they like, had their moments. Yeah, yeah. They had their moments. And a Hall & Oates album. Yes. Yeah, the, the Hall and, my sister and I, Hall and & Oates and Huey Lewis in the news. And, and that's, my sister and I um, used to listen to that in the car all the time um, when, you know, when we weren't being forced to listen to soft rock. God, I fucking love Hall & Oates. <laughs> and I am not ashamed anymore. No, yeah, they're yeah. the best. Yeah. Well, this is something. This is something that I brought up. One of my friends on Facebook posted and made a comment, um, joking about being embarrassed. And I, I commented like, you know, I'm kind of beyond the age yeah. of really feeling embarrassed. Like, I put up with enough of that shit in high school where it was like, you know. Yeah, I pretty much. I think once you bust out of those four social constructs of like you have to be around these people and yeah. you have no choice. Which is basically high school, mm-hmm. you know, your school years and college, because you know you do kind of yeah. coalesce within your clique or whatever. But like, once I graduated high school, I mean college, I did not give one flying rip what anyone thought. That was when I bought Monkey's Greatest Hits, Journey's Greatest <laughs> Hits. I did not give a flying crap what anyone thought about my musical taste. Yeah. And then when Journey came. In vogue again, I was like, see, bitches, I told you they were great. Yes. So, um, so anyway, that's my rant about not caring about what people think about my musical taste. So let's move on. Let's go to your your number one. Yeah, we talked so long, my my iPad went to sleep. But I can tell you what my number one was without having to log back in. I have a feeling I know what it is. And what do you think it is? What's the 411? No, but Ah. she is on my list. (laughs) She is on my list. So, actually, um, we have talked many times about how much we loved Unplugged. Yes. Uh, you know, MTV's Unplugged. And so I think now you won't be surprised that Nirvana ah, Unplugged okay, yeah. is my number one. was exactly what that show was for. So, like, you know, I... And, you know, Mary J was also on Unplugged. But, and, and I and, and I have an Unplugged album on my list later on, so... Yes, and so that is exactly... I just felt like that... Damn it, that was just perfect. It was a perfect moment in time, and Kurt Cobain was perfect, and the band was perfect, and the atmosphere was perfect, and his old man sweater was perfect. It was all... Perfect. And when I'm in a certain mood, I will play it 
because it still encapsulates just that it's just very much like a feeling. And that's when, you know, I, again, Nirvana, their first, you know, Smells Like Teen Spirit came out when we were in ninth grade. Yeah. So, um, and I remember thinking it was so cool that like the North Stafford Jazz Band learned how to play it for like (laughs) one of our pep rallies. Again, total, like just, just owning my doofiness. That's right. But, um, and you know, I always, I would like certain songs on Nirvana albums, Mm -hmm. but like it was, it wasn't until they kind of got it into that acoustic space. I felt like, you know, you take away like the fuzzy, crunchy guitars and the, you know, that sort of like whatever. And it's just stripped down to this very raw thing. And that, I think, you know, that, that was Kurt Cobain. He, I think that was him and his element. I thought that was, it was perfect. And I still, I would, I could still listen to the whole thing the whole way through. Yeah, I I I was late to the game on Nirvana um, because uh, I, not that I not that I didn't have any Nirvana, but I actually did not own a single Nirvana album um, until sometime in the two thousands. I had a bunch of songs that I taped off of yeah. CDs and, and and things like that. Um, but I think you're right. There's nothing more high school in the nineties than Unplugged. <laughs> there are well, some things that are just very high school in the 90s, like, yeah, having an unplugged album like that, and especially this one. That's true, because that's the other, the reason why it's number one for me is everyone in my high school had that mm-hmm. CD. It did yeah. not matter, you could be black, white, Hispanic, and actually my, my high school was, you know, kind of diverse. Um, yeah. And so, you know, but everybody had it. And nerds had it, and jocks had it, and popular kids, and theater kids, and everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody had that album. Yeah. So, it, that, yeah, for me, I was just like, that's, when I think about teenage years, yeah. that's, that's the one. Well, and I can imagine this is one of those, I, um, I can imagine this is one of those perfect synergy moments, because I can imagine that MTV played the crap out of that oh, special. Oh, yeah. Well, because they the played the crap era. out of all of it. I mean, look at the Eric Clapton one. Yeah. But, I was, <laughs> I was, but I was looking at that just out of curiosity. I was like, when was the, I knew this came out in 94, and I couldn't remember if the album itself was released before or after Cobain's death, and it was released on November 1st, 1994, but the, um, but the special had aired... Um, yeah. The special had aired in December of 93, mm-hmm. so... You know, there was a. You're talking in like a eleven month. Yeah. Well, um, and that's back in the day when you do. You know, you didn't have that sort of simultaneous release. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the special and then the soundtrack and then the oh yeah, know, yeah, whatever. yeah. They didn't perfect that for yeah. a number of uh, not, a number yeah, of years. Not a while. But um, but no, it, it, you're right. I mean, I don't really have anything else to add to it. Um, it, I mean, they still play it on the radio. So I rambled on long enough. No, no, I was just thinking, I'm like, I hear all apologies that's, that's on the radio exactly all the time. Just, oh my God, you read my mind. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Like, when I, when they play, like, the album version of All Apologies, I mm-hmm. actually get put out because I really like the unplugged version the best. I actually so do don't I. like that song unless it is mm-hmm. the unplugged version. I feel the same way about, uh, about, um, about A Girl. Yeah. Which is the other mm-hmm. song off that album that, um... That that was off of Bleach, and that they uh, yeah. See, was all, it was just so much better. Yeah. And I always found, find interesting that that they didn't. At first, it was kind of like uh, they they avoided. They didn't completely avoid um, what's it called? Uh, Never mind. Mm-mm. In the in the track listing, because you've got Come as You Are and uh, yeah, Come as You Are is Holly's also on there. Yeah, but and something in the way, but like they didn't bust out in Bloom or Lithium or. Um, 
it smells like Teen Spirit mm-hmm. for it, which. But I, again, I that's what I liked. To, yeah, yeah, like that's what made it because it felt it felt like you. I know they had a set list, obviously, and I know they had rehearsed it, but it yeah. did, it felt more organic than that. Yeah, and maybe again, maybe that's just the shine of nostalgia in my teen year, like looking back in my teen years. But there was just something very authentic about it, and I hate that word because millennials have ruined it. But so of educators. <laughs> So have marketers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're just ruining everything left and right. But, um, yeah. So that was my number one. Okay. It's going to take us two friggin' hours if we keep yeah, yeah. Well, some, about some of these, this long. Yeah, but some of these you might not have an, much of an opinion on, as I do. For instance, this next one is Queen's A Kind of Magic. It's a kind of magic. It's a kind of magic. A kind of magic. One dream, one soul, one prize, one gold, one golden glance of what should be. It's a kind of magic. One shaft of life that shows the way. This was an album released in 1986. It was the album that w- ended up being the the album they would support in their very final tour. They had two more albums that they would release and record and release before Freddie Mercury died. And then they had um, Made in Heaven was released in 95. But the, the Miracle was 89 and the Innuendo was 91. Um, and this was, this was 86. So this was released, this was recorded and then released pretty much like right after Live Aid. And Live Aid, Queen of Live Aid was insane. And and the, the reason I, I wanted this album, aside from the fact that I was listening to a lot of Queen at the time, was that the songs in this album are essentially the soundtrack to the movie Highlander. I had been watching Highlander with my friends, and I and obviously been watching the television show. My dad loved the shit. And, they, and show. they never actually they never actually released a soundtrack to Highlander. And I had the classic Queen album, yes. which the, you remember that everybody had. That. Well, I, a lot of people, but had a lot of people had that. Yes, and it had um, it has really cool. I actually still have the CD with the jewel case because I, I got a box set with that and Queen's Greatest Hits in it. And the, the booklet has like, um, here's each song and here's like a little bit about the history behind the song. And a number of the songs on that were from Highlander. So when I would watch Highlander, I'm like, oh, I know this song and stuff. But the one song that was not on the classic Queen CD that was on A Kind of Magic was Princes of the Universe, which is the theme to Highlander. Like, yeah. So when I got this album on cassette... So it was before I actually got a CD player, and Jesus. I never replaced it on CD. I, I, I always had it in cassette, and then I um, cherry-picked the tracks that I wanted off of iTunes. Um, I played the crap out of it. <laughs> Probably drove my sister, my parents crazy. 
by playing Princess of the Universe over and over and over and rewinding and playing it over again, <laughs> putting in my Walkman. Bless your heart. But but my but the nerds listening to this podcast are all just nodding their heads and going yes. And I can't imagine you've actually, aside from what you've heard from on the I TV, only heard the clip from the TV because my yeah. dad would watch Highlander every Saturday after mm-hmm. Star Trek The Next Generation. Nice. So, yes. I, something like, we are the blood of kings or something. Mm-hmm. What's that lyric? Okay, so that's yeah, the, I have inside me blood of kings. Yes, exactly. So, that's the only line I know because that's the only thing they would play in the truncated syndicated version of the Highlander mm-hmm. show. Which is basically what they do is they took the album version and cut it up. Well, to, uh, yeah. Down, yeah. So, yeah. you're right. I do not have an opinion on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And, um, I'll cover Highlander on another on You're another not going to have an opinion on some of my either. Yeah. So, all right. So, let's go to let's go to the next let's go to your next one. Okay. So, I had so I'm I'm just going to admit that I'm cheating right now. I'm I'm, I'm calling an audible. Um, so, originally I had Core Stone Temple Pilots, but I think I'm going to flip it to purple. Viscerally, Purple is more, it made more of an impression on me. I would listen to it today. I don't know if I'd listen to Core mm-hmm. today. But again, what makes me, the reason why I put Core first is, again, it was from that stage of, like, what the hell is our daughter listening to and who is she turning into? And I'm a little nervous <coughs> because our, you know, nerdy mm-hmm. straight-A daughter is suddenly, like, listening to shit that I don't want to listen to. And yeah. so I will never forget, so I got a gift certificate to Kemp Mill Records in Potomac Mills Mall. Shout out, Nova. And um, so I was like, I'm going to get core, because I really like Stone Temple Pilots. And, and Purple hadn't come out yet. And so my parents, again, were like, let's play it on the way home. And I was like, I don't really think you yeah. want to hear that. And my mom's like, well, why not? And I'm like, Mom, I just can't. Can we just take it home? And I was just listening at home. And then she got all pissy with me. Sorry, Mom, but she did. And she was like, Baby, we're playing it. And I'm like, Oh my God, y'all are nuts. But here, and of course, like the first track is like basically like Scott Wyland like screaming his face off mm-hmm. over like gr- grinding guitars and like really so, loud shit. Yes. So we listened to the first two songs. And finally, Mom was like. I don't want to listen to this anymore. I'm like, I told you. What the hell? You don't listen. To this day, love you, but you don't listen to me. So, um, so yeah. So, But I felt like Purple, like, so Core, I liked them from the beginning. But, like, when Purple came out, I mean, obviously the song from The Crow was, like, the reason why I bought this Yeah, well, that was the song everybody album. was, like, waiting for. Yeah, that was, because it, um, yeah, so, but the whole album is good. Mm-hmm. The whole and it was so diverse, and it was a little bit. 
it was just a little bit more um it showed a broader range and you yeah. got and again that was another album everybody had it yes so i guess I, with my first two choices i've just proven i'm a basic bitch but like seriously they that's that was one of my that was one of my choices. Did you have the Spin Doctors CD? No. Then you're not a basic bitch. <laughs> um, I'm the basic bitch. I have the Spin Doctors CD. Um, I, I I have both core. I got core. core. I think I'm pretty sure core. And I did an episode on this. I think core was part of my Columbia House 12. Because <laughs> when I got my I did an episode on Columbia House. Because when I got my CD, my CD player was my 15th birthday, I believe. And I got three CDs, and then I asked my parents, "Can I get a Can I get a Columbia House membership?" And they were like, "Fine," because they had been a Columbia House videotape club member since the mid '80s. Holy shit! Yeah, um, and that's, that's kind of baller. Yeah, for they, the '80s, they my would, parents would have never done no, that. They wouldn't order them. They would order like maybe one tape a year because I think you had to kind of keep your membership <laughs> going. But they would wait until the tapes got to like 1995, as opposed because like a lot of the tapes in the Columbia House Video Club were 79.95. Because they oh, were you priced mean 19 dollars and 95 cents? I thought for some reason you meant like no, no, not the year. No, 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 no. Until they were 20, no, they were 20, 20 bucks or so. So okay. you know that's why I have like my copy of Top Gun and everything. But um, but so I got it and, and Core. I really liked Core, and I liked it at the time. I think I listened to it more than um, like Alice in Chains. But, <gasps> but I love Alice in Chains, yeah. though. They're not on my list, but I love them. But there are aspects of Core that I feel it was like grunge, grunge to run through a photocopier. You know, where it was like it was clearly it, it could get a little repetitive. And 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 Purple, you're right. It was so different, and yet there were still some of the same elements. But like Interstate Love Song is one of my favorite songs off that album. Well, and you know, for better or worse, they definitely got a little more mainstream with Purple. But I thought they still maintain. I mean, that you know, whether you like it or not, you know, um, you know, the song from the Crow soundtrack. The reason why I like it was very sort of like atmospheric and moody, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, but it. I don't know. I just yeah. Whatever. I like. No, no. Yeah, I do. <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah. Tiny music is. Um, we both have tiny music. Yeah. And I think I actually think it's underrated. People I think, didn't like it. I, I yeah, I think it's underrated. I think what the, I think what was problematic, and again, I got to put my marketer hat on. I think the first single was a bad choice. I'm trying to remember which was a Big Bang. Yeah, Big Bang. Yeah, maybe. yeah. I just think because he didn't sound like himself. You know, like people were expecting a certain sound, and I thought Lady Picture Show yeah. was a lot closer to their. I love that song. Like, I think if that had been the first single, I think the album yeah. would have done better. So my next, uh, my next one is the first of two soundtracks. Both of the sound, believe it or not, I'm looking at it. Both of the soundtracks are to Cameron Crowe films. Um, this <laughs> one is the soundtrack to Say Anything. Was one of the I, I knew I did I do know I ordered that from Columbia House and I and I did an episode of Say Anything a couple of years ago where I talked about the soundtrack. Um, this I just listen to this all the time, 
And there were like three or four songs, aside from In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel, which is the song that everybody remembers from that movie, that I latched onto. Um, there's a there's a replacement song on there. And that was my gateway into the replacements. Mm. I love the replacements. Um, there's a Fishbone song that's actually really, really good. Um, there's, believe it or not, there is a Red Hot Chili Pepper song called um, Taste the Pain, mm -hmm. which is a really good Chili Pepper song. Because um, this, this is from 80... The album came out in 89. I probably got it in like 92 or 93. And it was just it was just one of those albums. And I remember a couple of my friends here and there would borrow the CD because of some of the songs on that. And it's got this great, great live version of Cult of Personality by Living Color. Mm. Really, really good. So it was just... it's um, and, and it's one of those rare soundtracks where you can, for the most part, hear all of the songs in, in the... Uh, in the movie. I mean, three or four of the songs in the soundtrack were played at the party scene with Eric Stoltz and in between um, Lily Taylor singing Joe, Joe Lies when he cries. But, um, I mean, I've, 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 I have always been, I've been a John Cusack fan for a long time. That's better off Dad's fault more than anything. Um, and I've been a fan, this is one of my favorite movies of all time and then I just, I, latched onto the soundtrack and just played it over and over and over again. Well, let's face it. I mean, you know, I know everyone. I know the line from Ferris Bueller is, you know, girls want to be with him. Yeah. Want to be. But I truly think, really, girls want to be with Lloyd Dobler. Boys want to be Lloyd Dobler. Like, I think it's Lloyd, it's Lloyd Dobler. Lloyd Dobler and Jake Ryan yeah. pretty much ruined a generation of women for any kind of man. Well, if, you think, if, you, if you think about it, it's the same. And, and my friend Rob Kelly has this great, always quotes the line from High Fidelity where he's talking about Catherine Zeta Jones's character yes. and how he uses the line, you got to punch your weight, which, you know, mm -hmm. and the idea that he yeah. went too high there. And if you think about it, in both cases, you know, in Sixteen Candles, it's Molly Ringwald, and it's and, and they're both way out of their league, and it ends up working in the like they both get their <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in a sense, listen. I mean, saying that Molly Ringwald, who had perfect skin and flaming beautiful, in the context hair, of the movie, though, she's this kind of nobody. Yeah, but I mean, like, she's still Molly Ringwald, and Jake Ryan. I mean. You know, he's kind of a you know, like... <laughs> I know, I but mean, they've got him set up to be... He's dating, you know, what's he's dating, <laughs> yeah. The girl who got her hair caught in the door. Yeah, I but, can't remember her name. Yeah. Heroin or something? Yeah, and, you know, but I think with, like... And, you know, it's still, like, yes, it's... I, I think the reason why I say anything works so well is because John Cusack, you know, Lloyd Dobler is kind of, like, goofy cute, mm -hmm. but Ione Sky is, like, excessively pretty. Like, she's not like, it's not like she's Gal Gadot. She's, Uma Thurman. Yeah, from, she's, from around that yeah time. she's, uh, she's Ione Sky. Yeah. And like, you know, it's not like he's like, you know, Quasimodo. He's yeah. John fucking Cusack. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, you know, they're both good looking people. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, by 80s standards. I mean, all I can say is if, you know, my life was an 80s movie, I, I'd 
nobody would pay attention to me ever because I was a fucking disaster. But like, <laughs> you know, same thing here. So. I mean, it's kind of like the "How I Met Your Mother" thing, though. Like, where it's like someone always settles and someone yeah. always wins, right? Yeah. Like, it's never yeah. completely equal. Yeah, but the, the music is the what the what the music on the soundtrack is. Um, it's got a good mix of some pop stuff, but it's got a good mix of that sort of cusp of the '90s alternative that yeah. would that would blow up with the with the other with the other soundtrack I have on here, um, which is know, singles. Which is singles, but we'll get to that. See, in a I called bit. it. Yeah, called so. I can't read that far because I have my glasses on. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, it was on there. but you know, it's got and um, there is in the film. But not on the soundtrack is a is a mother love bone song that actually ends up on the um, on the single soundtrack. So you know because Cameron Crowe's Seattle. Cameron keeps his promises. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on to uh, to your next one. Your yeah. number three. Number three. So we're um, we're gonna swing way to the other end of the spectrum. I have the score by the Fugees. Strumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly with his song, telling my whole life with his words, killing me softly. With his song. Yo, yeah, yeah. this is now. why Clef Refuge uh, Cat uh, cries well. Little baby sitting uh, up here on the bass. While I'm on this roast, uh, I got my girl L. Uh, one time, one time. Hey, yo, L, you know you got the lyrics. I heard he sang a good song. So I have lamented this many times, but the Fugees came to UVA my first year and played like a fall thing. Like there was fall some, yeah, some kind of event. It was, um, it was done by, you know, um, at UVA we had a black student, uh, Union society or something like, yeah. Um, and, uh, and they had a fall event, and the Fugees came. And um, I I was like, oh, my God, I want to go. And then for some reason, I don't remember why I didn't go. Probably something sorority-related, mm-hmm. much to my chagrin. I still regret not going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but that, I mean, I just love this album. It was a perfect moment in time when Lauren Hill was not crazy, and Jeez. Wyclef was not annoying, <laughs> and the other guy was still there. And uh, I just... Yeah, I just love it. I, I I used to listen to it all the time. My um, the way things were in my dorm at UVA, we were actually a suite, so we had like a shared living room, and then like we had like a group of roommate rooms. Okay. Yeah, and one of them was your friend Melissa, and that's how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actually the girls who lived in the room between Melissa's room and my room were. Um, uh, two of our friends at Daisy and Ashante, and they also love the Fujis, and so we bonded over that. But like, it's it was just, and again, I think it was that precursor to having like rap, and then like this really beautiful voice kind of singing a hook, or yeah. you know, being involved in it, and kind of like starting to combine. Now, of course, 
I'm not saying that was the first time it happened because, of course, we all love the Method Man Mary J. Blige joint that came out before the Fugees, but um, you're all I need to get by. But the Fugees, like, went multi-platinum with it in a way that was... Well, and I will... Again, because I think, you know, Wyclef is annoying as he can be, he had a great marketing mind. I mean, putting that group together, putting that album together, and then having Lauryn Hill sing... Killing Me Softly by Roberta Flack, and then brilliantly not putting out the fucking single, making you buy the album to get the song. That didn't happen a lot. You used to be able to go to the big wall of tapes, mm-hmm. tape singles, two ninety nine or whatever, it was. at the wall or whatever, as Sam Goody, Sam Goody. and get what you needed. <laughs> you could not. You could not get it with the Fujis. You had to buy the whole damn album, and that was fine. Because the whole album is great. And I think, again, I kind of touched on some nostalgia with that. But they also had some socially conscious stuff in there. I mean, that... I don't know. That album's just great. I listened to it in the summer before going to college for the first time. And, um, like, all through my first year. Mm-hmm. Listened to it a lot. I actually never owned my own copy of it. We have yours. Um, I... It was just wasn't in my wheelhouse back then. Um, however, Between Queen and Metallica, your wheelhouse was a little more yeah. like a I, I fun always, house. The, funniest, <laughs> the thing I always find funny is when my sister and her husband come and visit, and we'll we'll throw up. We'll be playing a board game. Sorry, <laughs> correction. We'll be kicking their ass in a board game, and we'll have the we'll be flipping through the music channels on 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 Comcast. And we'll come upon, we'll usually, we'll settle on like the 90s or the R&B channel or something. And you and Kyle just, oh yeah, you know, like, I think it was one point, uh, Warren G. Yes. Regulators. 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 We regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steal, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warren G was on the streets trying to consume some skirts for the E so I could get some phones. Rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak. All of you search know what's up with 213. So I hooked a left on 21 and Lewis. Some brothers shooting dice, so I said, let's do this. I jumped out the rock and said, what's up? Some brothers pulled some gas, so I said, I'm stuck. these girls peeping me, I'm all glide and swerve. These hookers looking so hard, they straight hit the curve. Want to bigger, better things than some horny tricks. I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix. I'm getting jacked, I'm breaking myself. I can't believe they taking more and 12. They took my rings, they took my Rolex. I looked at the brother, said, damn, what's next? They got my homie hemmed up, and they all around. Can't none of them see him if they going straight down for pound. They want to come up real quick before they start to clown. I best pull out my strap and lay them busters down. They got guns to my head, I think I'm going down. I can't believe it's happening in my own town. If I had wings, I would fly. Let me contemplate. I glance in the cut, and I see my homie Nate. 16 in the clip. And my sister and I, again, who are the two whitest kids who ever whited, have so little knowledge of anything rap or R&B. Like, you know, our, but it, you know, 
But you put <laughs> you put a Billy Joel album in front of us so we can sing everything. Well, I can sing all of that too. I know, but the point is like I'm you diverse. Know, but we're just sitting there like, yeah, this was not our. But at the same time, I mean, Killing Me Softly was unavoidable. The the cover of No Woman No Cry. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of other songs that got Fuji Law actually Fuji Law. That was... is the one that I really love. Mm-hmm. Like it just has this kind of frenetic energy to it. Yeah. Um, but it's also I don't know, like I just the hook is great. Mm-hmm. And then you think about the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, that's a fantastic Such album. A good album. And even Wyclef's solo album was good. Gone Till November's a solid track. So it um I so it kinda launched, you know, it it, it launched some people. I mean, of course, you know, Lauren Hill and going off the rails is sad, but the, again, it was just an album that in a moment in time, like if you asked me to name like what are some influential R&B albums that you could still listen to, that would that's it. And uh, their cover of Killing Me Softly was a uh, was a song that got played and played and played and played yet it is not one that got played out in my opinion. Yeah, like, if they know, played it now, I would sing along. Like, the album that I guess is number 11 on this list because I really listened to it more in college than I did in high school was Octone Baby by U2. And Mysterious Ways is the song on that album that I will always skip. Not because I don't like it. You heard it ad nauseum. it's still played yeah. in radio ad nauseum. So, and and uh, Killing Me Softly never got like that to me. And, yeah. and I didn't even have the album. Yeah. So. I love that song. Yeah. Well, and I love Roberta Flack. Yeah. So anyway. My, um... <laughs> My next album is one that I'm pretty sure that you were never that big of a fan of, which is uh, August and Everything After by Counting Crows. did an episode it was in fact one of like i think it was one of the first five or six episodes of this podcast uh, and i had shell on it we went song by song through the album um and i again this was an album that i not that i hid this from my friends but i didn't really admit that i listened to all the time because you know you know because it was you know give you shit for listening to stuff like this and um but no, I've always loved this album, and out of all of their albums, because I, ha- I have most of them, this is the only one I still can listen to all the way through. Uh, the rest of them, I will pick and choose songs off of them. There's like one or two that I have that I only have, like, I, I, I won't even listen, I barely listen to, but yeah. uh, I will still listen to all the songs on this, this album, because I just, I really, uh, I really like it. I think it's a good piece of, I think it's a good pop album. Like, rock pop album. Yeah, I don't... You know, I'll just be forthright. I 
don't know what my beef is with them, but I really fucking hate that band. Sorry. Is it Adam Durant? Like, I, maybe. Is it the Axl Rose effect where you might like the music, but you can't stand the lead singer? <laughs> maybe. I mean, I guess I don't really feel any way about it. I guess I just really hated Mr. Jones. Okay. And then it kind of ruined me for everything. Although, but I, had, I did tell you I like exactly one song that they sang, and it's mm-hmm. a long December. It's off the next. That's off the album. And that's not all. That's not on that album. So that whole album can go like die in a fire. Like I just, I don't know why. I just have. I know. And it's weird because I kind of. That's like usually my jam. Like a dude with a guitar and like Mm -hmm. you know thoughtful lyrics. Usually I'm like, yeah, give me Mark Broussard. Give me. I don't know. You and I both listen to a lot of Dave Matthews in college. Yeah, Dave Matthews, whatever. Like, give me that. For some reason, I don't. I don't. I I think because also when that came out, I was in my R and B rap because Mm -hmm. I got a couple rap albums on this on this um, list. But kind of like my R and B diva, but also my my grungy theater kid kind of thing. So I don't know. For some reason, it didn't fit. I was, and I'm trying, and I might. I don't remember what I said on the episode. I know that I listened to the songs off this album before I actually got the CD, and it was probably at least a year or two. I remember, I think I got this for Christmas one year. I want to say it was the same year I got. (sighs) For some reason, I remember getting this in Candlebox the same time. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) And, um, which is an album I haven't listened to in, in a number of years. Um, but I remember that this was at a time when, I had so much heavy music uh-huh. that this was kind of a breath of fresh air. And I actually like Mr. Jones' song. My favorite song on that album is Anna Begins, which is um, more of a slower ballad type of song. And then Rain King was, I think, one of my other favorites. That one's yeah. tolerable. If that came on, I, yeah. I'd be all right. Yeah, and I have a very good live version of Rain King where when he goes to the bridge, he actually does a almost full cover of Thunder Road. By Springsteen, and it's of all done the songs really, really he well. could have picked, oh, he it's picked good. fucking Thunder Road. Yeah. Like, so. hey, why don't you just go like jump in the river? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's go to your next one. <laughs> so my next one, I think, is fun, and it is "The Chronic" by Dr. Dre. To the folks, Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the dope. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Long Beach together, now you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too low depth, nigga, so we're crazy. Death Row is the label that pays, man. Unfatable, so please don't try to fake this. But uh, back to the lecture at hand. Perfection is perfected, so I'ma let them understand. From a young G's perspective And before me digging a bitch I have to find a contraceptive You never know she could be earning her man And learning her man And at the same time burning her man Now you know I ain't with that shit, Lieutenant Ain't no pussy good enough to get burned while I'm offended yeah. And that's realer than real deal, holy feel And now you hook us in hoes, know how I feel Well if it's good enough to get broke off a proper chunk I take a small piece of some of that funky stuff It's like this and like that and like this and uh, I've only heard one song over this entire album. So you are not. No, you have. Oh, come then, on. then I may have heard another one. That I didn't realize. Oh, let me Jesus. let me look up the. I'll look it up. You, you okay? Talk, you, you look talk. it up. So I mean, again, the Chronic was another album that everybody had. Everybody had it. Like everybody had, you know, because nothing but a G thing. Obviously, was Cremaze. Mm-hmm. But like, 
Yeah, I mean, and that was like the first time. So that was Dr. Dre was my gateway drug to NWA. So I kind of did it backwards. Like I didn't really know NWA other than, you know, so not to get social, like too, go ahead, you know, go into ahead. history or whatever. But you know, I mean, we were we grew up during the Rodney King, yeah, shit, yeah. the LA riots, all that stuff that happened. We, that was when we were in high school. Yeah, and so when you know when Kurt Loader's rolling around in the back seat of a truck with a bunch of Crips on MTV News, you know, this white girl in the South is like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But again, because. I mean, and I still kind of have this tendency, for better or worse, instead of being like, oh, that's scary, I don't want to, like, blah, blah, or, like, hear about it, I was like, damn, that looks kind of dangerous, what else is happening? And so, like, I started, you know, Dr. You know, Dr. J came out with The Chronic, we, I, you know, a bunch of my friends had it, we all listened to it, um, and, uh, I mean, I guess, again, it just made an impression, I'm not going to say it was, like, the most artistically put together thing ever, but... That was when you really started to see, like, Dr. Dre come out as a producer. Because Snoop Dogg came out. Like, I mean, obviously, nothing but G-Thing. He had Snoop Dogg yeah. on it. And he had Snoop Dogg on another track, too. Um, was it Colors, I think, was this uh, track he and, and Snoop did uh, together when you first kind of started to see uh, Snoop. But, um, so, anyway... I mean, it, it, for me, it was just, I, you know, the videos were all over the place. Nothing but G-Thing is great. I can rap the entire thing, just like Regulator. But again, it was that whole California thing, because when you think about that family tree, it's Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Warren G, Nate Dogg, I mean, Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Um, and then, you know, Eazy-E kind of was on the outs, and mm. then he died. But, like, you know, that whole, that whole, and then you have the West Coast, East Coast thing. Mm -hmm. And then, sadly... Tupac. And Tupac and Biggie are dead, although I, I truly, I bet, I think Tupac is still alive. Mm. <laughs> I, I think he's just like hanging out with the Illuminati somewhere. Yeah, but Prince. Uh, no, Prince, no, sadly I think Prince is gone. Yeah. But, um, but Tupac, Tupac is alive. But anyway, so, I, I just, you know, you think of the tracks that are on there. Um, Dre Day is on there, right? Um, Chronic. Let me ride. You have to know what "Let Me Ride" is. Come Probably. on. Probably. You know, and yes, the lyrics are probably problematic, but I think sometimes uh, you um, you gotta just you know when you're a naive teenager, you're not thinking about stuff like that. So yeah, it just made an impression on me. Would I listen to it today? Maybe not, but I would totally drunk rap nothing but a G thing at karaoke. <laughs> and so for that reason, it's on my list. All right. Um, yeah, nothing but a G. Maybe I've heard "Let Me Ride" and I just I I'm blanking on on it. Well, and it was also a very specific sound that was a throwback, but also forward. Uh -huh. And so I think. <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah, I think I've heard this before, but Your face. Just oh like, my God. do I remember this? Again, my knowledge of rap albums is the Beastie Boys, and that's about it. Well, I mean, it. I like the Beastie Boys. 
Beastie Boys. Oh, I like the Beastie too. Boys too, but I mean, I, I, I don't have. I mean, I really don't have that much knowledge of what's on what album. Yeah. Were, 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 as I, far as rap is concerned, and so you know, that's why just I, to just to wrap it up. I mean, I think for me. Again, that was one of my gateway drugs mm-hmm. to more rap. Because yeah. I was always more on the R&B side. I was always more on, like, you know, the Karen White, Mary J. Blige, Janet Jackson kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And then it was... and But, you know, I mean... So it got me, like, watching UMTV raps and watching... Because, again, that was... And that was a moment when <coughs> rap started to go mainstream. And, like, mm-hmm. you saw a lot more rap pop star kind of crossovers and then you know if we hadn't had all that we wouldn't have had Ja Rule and Ashanti in the early aughts that's true so there you go okay my next <laughs> one is my next one's an album that I think is, is another one that was um, I mean practically issued to everybody who was in high school during the during the early 90s that's Pearl Jam's 10 I know. You, I don't think you had it. I don't I, I'm have imagining it. you've heard a decent. Oh yeah, I mean, I know the there. songs. Like, I mean, Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy won best video of the. And this was one of the ones I got from Columbia House when I did it. Um, I do have the Jeremy import single that my uncle Lou got for me for Christmas one year because he heard I like Pearl Jam. And he said, you know, this is the one that's hard to find, and 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 it was for years the only place you could find um, Yellow Lead Better, and that for years was my favorite Pearl Jam song. Um, Uncle Lou always comes correct with the Christmas gifts. He has always come correct with the Christmas gifts ever since he was the Toy King. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I've I was when it came down to Pearl Jam and Nirvana, I actually fell on the side of Pearl Jam. And I had <laughs> I had this and I had verses, but I never. So, do got... you like the Stones? Because I like Zeppelin. Is this really no? I like the things that are going to crack the foundation of our marriage. No, I can. I believe it or not, I really like Zeppelin, and I and I have three Zeppelin albums. I yeah. probably have more if, if it weren't for iTunes and things. I have one Stones album. It's a greatest hits album, and the Stones is always a band that I can pick and choose songs from. But I'll listen to Zeppelin. I'll, I'll listen to like Led Zeppelin two all the way through, or Led Zeppelin. Four and okay. stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah, I like Zeppelin more than I like the Stones. Um, 
Same thing with like the Who. I can pick and choose oh, songs. Oh God! I like I like I like the Who, but I can I'll pick and choose the songs I like instead of a whole. I have a whole major beef with the Who. I have major one Who beef. album. I have one Who album. I'm sorry, that... you sing about a dude playing pinball. You need to get the fuck out of here with that noise. No, I have Quadrophenia, and I think I've only listened to it all the way through three times. Oh my God, I can't stand that band. Okay, sorry. But Pearl Jam. Um, <laughs> this their, their breakthrough. Jeremy was their big, like, huge, socially conscious single about a kid killing himself in front of his classmates. And that Mark Romanic video. Yeah. And see, I always think about the videos of, in the mm-hmm. 90s because they were so, well, because MTV actually played them. and Yeah. They had a, it was this, um, nobody ever, we use the term grunge now because it's just the best way to describe that era, although nobody actually seemed to like gr- the word grunge when it was, when it was given. It was, it, it, I, I heard it, I just remember back in the day, it was like, it was almost grunge was used like, it was like the media came up with the, uh, the, the title grunge for that music because they couldn't classify it because it was being classified as alternative. Yeah. And then the question a lot of people would be like is, well, alternative to what? Because it went completely mainstream. Well, because it was rock music. Yeah, it was rock music. Uh, yeah, was, exactly. Alternative to, to what? And, alter- exactly? and I guess the best alternative you could think of was an alternative to... Guns and Roses, Roses Death Leopard, all that hair poison, metal. Yeah, because yeah. like hair metal was in its death throes when this came out. Well, except Guns N' Roses because they had Use Your Illusion one yeah, and two, yeah. which was also big when we were in high school. But then they completely self they just self destructed as a band. But I mean, my but, point is, yeah, I could see why it was called alternative mm-hmm. because it was a kind of rock that you weren't hearing mm-hmm. from mainstream rock bands like. Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 were just as big at the same time mm-hmm. as, you know, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, and oh, everybody yeah. else. The biggest, one of the biggest tours, like, that was, this was, I think, they were on some of the first Lollapalooza tours. Yeah. But, like, the other big tour around the time this album came out was um, Guns N' Roses and Metallica yeah. on the same tour. Although, it, it does make me wonder, like, when did we leap from, like, college rock or prog rock mm-hmm. to grunge because they're all kind of the same thing when you think about it. I mean, another one of the biggest bands of the '90s was REM. Yeah, yeah, um, and REM, REM was hang- like it, the the early '90s was weird that way because like th- the four of the biggest bands you had Pearl Jam and Nirvana, but you had REM and you still had U2. Yeah, and U2 was, was uh, Octum Baby Zeropa, and then, I mean they kind of. Yeah, and and fizzled out a little bit as the decade went on, but Octoon Baby was a huge album, and yeah. and and their tour. So it was this weird. I mean, I mean, Van like, Halen was still. I was going to say you had. I mean, you had For Unlawful Carnage. That was a huge album for Van album Halen. Well. You had Guns N' Roses. You still had um, shit. Brian Adams had the biggest song from that Robin Hood movie. <laughs> like, let's not get it twisted. It was an odd transition a, period. Yes, yes. In in, the, but again, I think that's what makes it. I think that's what makes it interesting, mm-hmm. and I think that's why the nostalgia works because we had so much shit going on yeah. at once. Yeah, and there were three or four bands to come out of the same city because you had them and Soundgarden. 
and and Alice in Chains. I love Soundgarden. And um, they're not on this list, but I love them. No, and, and and well, who am I kidding? I love Chris Cornell. Well, and then there's you know, and the, the, they would do the Temple of the Dog album, which <laughs> which I love. Hunger Strike as a song. I don't have any other song off that album oh, except God. for Hunger Strike. But yeah, um, that that's but uh, but no, I, I still this album is still fun to listen to all the way through. It's. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Pearl Jam just fine. It's just, again, in that divide, were you Nirvana or you Pearl Jam? I was more Nirvana. Nirvana. Yeah. All right, what's your next? Oh, um, so finally, we have What's the 411 <laughs> Mary by J. Mary J. Blige. emotionally wrought one mm-hmm. and then, but that came out when we like god I think it was like uh, fourth year of college it came out so I was no longer a teenager so it doesn't qualify but what's the 411 was just it's freaking fantastic I mean all the songs are good you have you have Puff Dad or whatever the hell he was calling himself at the time you know, Uptown Sean Records Puffy Combs. yeah Sean Puffy Combs he was behind the scenes and he was behind like Mary and Biggie and everybody else who was blowing up in, in on the east coast mm-hmm. and um, she just had like she had this edge and she you know it was it was hip hop but it was like that you know they were calling it at the time like New Jack new, Swing well New Jill Swing because okay. she was a woman and she just she was great and she had this kind of raw quality to her voice and you could dance to it i mean i just i i love her i thought the whole and actually i so what the 411 was huge and then what was the one that came out oh god i'm blanking the one that came out after it i think it was the one that came out after i don't want to delay by looking this up but the one that had you bring me joy on it that's the one i wore the hell out because my life my yeah, my life. So my life and what's the four one one? I would say together mm-hmm. were huge. And I just, I mean, God, like when you're, you know, when you're fighting with your high school boyfriend or that boy you like, you're gonna sing "I'm Going Down." I mean, like, just it was just, God, it was just so good. And like, but I'm a sucker for like R and B beat with a woman singing over it. Like, mm-hmm. I really am because like when I think about another. Um, CD I used to listen to all the time in ninth grade it was Funky Divas by In Vogue. I even went and saw them in. Con- well, I mentioned this. My in the sister last had time. that CD too. Yeah. Well, the last time we did a podcast yeah, together, yeah, I mentioned I went and yeah. saw In Vogue because Arrested Development opened open for them. them. Yeah. And so, and Vogue was a big thing. And then, like God, um, when we were in Vegas a month ago and they were playing "Don't Walk Away" by Jade, I was like, "Yes, <laughs> sing this whole song right now!" But it it all comes back to Mary. She's a diva. I love her. Um, and I just she just was always. 
her songs were very kind of raw, but also had great production value, and it was just great. I, I the only song while I was in high school that I was familiar with from this album was Real Love because yeah, that, well, that Real was, Love that was, was the top jam. 10 that was 10. the jam. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of there are a lot of pop and hip hop. I don't know. There are a lot of pop and R and B songs from this era that sound dated. Even if you can still listen to them, sound dated and believe. And, and I've always thought that's did, that. Didn't, well, and Sweet real. Thing is the jam. I mean, God, I used to. I used to yeah, that sing was the a, um, crap out of yeah, that song. I, they played that a lot, too. That was the... I mean, just... And again, it kind of had that... It felt fresh and new, but it also kind of had that throwback thing mm-hmm. to it. Because Sweet Thing is very much a throwback. Yeah. But um, I still love her. So, yeah. I picked the one where it started. And then, of course, her jam with Method Man. I love that. You're all I need. I think I have that on single somewhere. Probably, unless we <laughs> unless we unless we uh, threw it out when we were doing a, um, we'll a purge thing. Yes. Uh, my next one is this is where I feel like I I didn't realize that I I think I slightly cheated because it said only one per band and artist, but this is a soundtrack. This is a single soundtrack, and Pearl Jam is on the single soundtrack. But they've got two songs and among a huge collection of it. Shut it down. And, <laughs> you cheated. Um, two songs off that soundtrack that I actually, for a long time, actually would listen to more than I would listen to all of the ten when I listened to it all the way through. So wait, is the single soundtrack your next one? Yes, this on? is the next one, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm losing track. Yeah. Um, This is, uh, if, if, again, I did an episode of the singles, but if you're unfamiliar with it, this is, this is the grunge soundtrack album. The only... This was Cameron Crowe's grunge movie. Yeah, and, and it's, I still love this movie. Um, the soundtrack out, the soundtrack outshone the movie. I, I agree. Um, in, in a big way. Um, and, because you, you have, um, Alice in Chains. I still love that song. Um, Pearl Jam. Uh, Chris Cornell has a solo song on it called Seasons. Yes. Uh, that Zack Snyder would then use in Man of Steel. And I'm like, and I and I remember watching that scene going, wait, what? I haven't <laughs> and seen You Man haven't of seen Steel, Man of no. Steel yet. Um, I'm not a DC girl. I'm a Marvel girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> any, I, I appreciate that you're a Marvel girl. Well, I mean, Marvel yeah, in terms yeah. of movies. And by movies, I mean Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. Yeah. Those are my favorite Marvel movies. Though, so. um, it has it has a Smashing Pumpkins album a song that's really good and ends with about three minutes of feedback. Uh, it has like one. It has a Jimi Hendrix track. Um, it has a really good Mother Love Bone piece. Um, uh, Mud Honey is on it. Uh, Soundgarden does have a song. There's a band I haven't heard of in a long time. Uh, Nancy and Ann Wilson. Oh my God! Have a cover of the Battle of Nevermore from Led Zeppelin IV when they were going as the Lovemongers, um, and uh, we need to go see Heart live. Yeah, we do need. God, to go I see love Heart. Heart. So I mean, it's just, but it is one of those. Um, 
it's it's one of those albums that came out just as this this movement of of all, of of rock was the shift in rock was happening and all these bands that were getting so much play were on this uh, Paul Westerberg does those other two songs um all the people at Westerberg High yeah all the people at Westerberg High um I didn't know he was I didn't know of the replacements before I heard before you saw Heather's no no um I don't did I see Heather's before I may have seen Heather's, but you didn't know but before I knew who Paul Westerberg was because I'm pretty sure I saw Heather's like on television. Oh, back okay. in back in the early night, like I probably caught part of it on television because I knew who Christian Slater and Winona Ryder were oh, from various God, movies. Christian Slater, he but, still looks good. And um, <laughs> but this was this was the first time I heard Paul Westerberg, and then heard about the replacements um, through the Say Anything soundtrack. But this was one that. That everybody had. This was one of the last CDs I owned. Um, no, no, no. A friend of mine had this, but he had it in one of the cardboard long boxes. Uh-huh. So this is one of the last CDs I remember. Oh, cardboard damn. long box. Yes. <laughs> My last CD in a cardboard long box, I think, was "Rattle and Hum" by U2. I remember my sister giving me that to be I, I, I mean, you have a better memory than that. I don't yeah. remember what my last one yeah. was. Maybe. I had like three or four. And that's why I remember Probably it. some Madonna, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so this is, again, I've talked about this before, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But, um, but it was, again, it was, it was just like this, it was almost like a sampler CD of Seattle, Seattle grunge, mm-hmm. basically. Um, so we're down to, that's one, two, three, four, five, six. So you're, you're number six. Okay, hold on. I'm I'm making a note. I'm changing again. Sorry. It's okay. Um, so I also have a soundtrack. Mine is the Dazed and Confused soundtrack. <sighs> Until I listened to the soundtrack, and then I was like, "Wow, I really like a lot of this stuff." And so it did kind Mm -hmm. of open it again. It was a gateway for me to kind of listen to a lot of these songs that obviously have been around for a long time. And you know, it was so popular they came out with two of them. I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, like they had two. We might have. We have both. We have both. So, for one thing, Days and Confused is a movie that is near and dear to my heart. I've watched it so many times, I could probably recite the whole movie we, from beginning to end. We will both quote it every once in a while. Yes. Just <laughs> yes. So, I, so, it is near and dear to my heart. And so, the soundtrack again, great soundtrack. I mean, I don't really have a lot to say about it, just that it's on my list because I felt like it opened a lot of doors to me liking bands like that. Well, I feel like the Days and Confused soundtrack laid the foundation and then... My first year of college, 
my roommate sold her books before exams <laughs> to buy the Led Zeppelin box, box set. sets, <laughs> which again, kind of just completely kicked the door open. And so now, yeah. so that's why I'm a Zeppelin girl instead of a Stones girl. But, um, but I felt like that, um, mm-hmm. that whole soundtrack, the both soundtracks are, are awesome. It's got some good stuff on there. It's, it has the first soundtrack has uh, fog hat, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> There's some quote about Fog Hat, and I can't remember what it is. Jim Carrey at the 99 musical. He dressed up like that dude. He's like, plays a plays a Fog Hat. I'd like to thank MTV for throwing this little shindig, giving us an excuse to party one more time. (laughs) I got a little bone to pick with the programming department. You know, I like rap music as much as the nice, frightened Caucasian. <laughs> but you know what would kill you every once in a while to play a little fog hat? The last time I found anything he did really funny, um, <laughs> it was because it was brilliant. Um, if if you don't, he was if, definitely in Andy Kaufman mode then. Yeah, and and if and if you, if you've never seen it, go look up Jim yeah. Carrey's acceptance speech from the 1999 MTV Movie yeah. Awards. It's brilliant. Yeah, he's um, definitely bringing it. And then uh, it's got Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Yes, um, I think there's some Deep Purple on there. Not Smoke in the Water, um, a different song. Uh, the Runaways, Cherry Bomb by The Runaways is on there. Uh, rock and Roll All Night by Kiss because yes. they were using Rock and Roll All Night like crazy in um, in a lot of the pr- the very few promotional things I saw. Yeah, Tuesday's Gone. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Um, rock Summer and Roll Breeze. Hoochie Coo, Summer Breeze is on the, is on one of the soundtracks. Uh, Free Ride. Yeah, but there's a couple of P- Peter Frampton songs yeah. on, this, on one of the soundtracks. Which. The runner-up, I would say, in my soundtracks mm-hmm. is Reality Bites. So that I, I was like another that soundtrack. soundtrack. Too, yeah. I listened. I wore the hell out. The '90s had the early '90s had some great, great soundtracks. Empire Records has a really good. Oh, soundtrack Empire Records! God, I could. We should. I could talk about Empire. Records. We should do. We'll do an episode about Empire Records at some point. I still love it. That's another movie. Again, I'm not ashamed. I'm owning it. Yeah. When I can't, when I couldn't sleep right after I graduated from college, and I had raging anxiety, well, anxiety, yes, and insomnia <laughs> that I still have to this day, both of them, I would watch either Empire Records mm-hmm. or, as I've mentioned before, Airborne, which Airborne, would run Airborne re- is always on. repeatedly on the USA Network <laughs> at three in the morning. It's like turning on Comedy Central and coming across PCU. PCU. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you what styling is. The perfect session. A-frame wave, ground swell, spitting out salt water in your face, doing a 360 without a bounce. I call it the consciousness razor. Mitchell's life was a California dream. <laughs> Until he woke up in Cincinnati. What do you think? It's wild, right? We're just so excited about having you here. Slow down a little bit, Wiley. Hands on ten and two. His cousin wants him to meet his friends. You, where do I know you from? You used to uh, flush my head in the urinals. They're an interesting bunch. I could be Elvis. 
It's possible. I really like to sleep, and I like Nintendo. They all want Mitchell to feel right at home. And if it wasn't for Nikki... How are you? You must be getting pretty homesick, huh? Not right now. He'd have no reason to stay. Man, I'm gonna throw up. For the next six months, his days of sun, <gasps> sand, and surf <laughs> have been put on ice. In a city where no one understands him. I need traffic, smog, heat waves. Who would have thought he'd become a hero by doing what he does best? He's been challenged by the preps to a little skating race. We thought maybe he'd, you know, want to skate in our team. No. He has one chance to prove himself. One final race to win. And he's the one who has what it takes to put them over the top. Airborne. I think I'm starting to like Cincinnati. Airborne, starring Scott Chandler from All My Children. <laughs> and um, Jack Black. Ja- and Seth Green. And Seth Green. Yes. Yes. Oh, the rollerblading movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Airborne. Um, what was your, uh, what's your next, oh, no, no, I, that oh, was yours, that was yours, that was yours, sorry, my next, my next one was one, I, one, track, yeah. one of two that I covered on, um, on a long play with Bob Fisher, uh, earlier this year, or earlier in 2016, and it's Billy Joel's The Stranger, which should come <laughs> as no surprise, I grew up on Long Island, I played the piano, it was not my. It was my first Billy Joel CD. We painted our living room to that. Album. Yes, we did. I put that out. We put that right because we have it on. We have it on record now. <laughs> sent to the Goodwill store. Um, but I've had the CD since I was 15, and um, it was the first Billy Joel CD that I had. The first album, my studio album I owned of his was uh, Turnstiles, which is the album before this, and then I think I had the great, I had the greatest hits tape, so, and, and you have the greatest hits tape too. Um, I stole it from my roommate, sorry. And, um, but this was an, this is an album that um, I, you know, it, ha- it has the song that, that made him like, Easy listening favorite, which is just the way you are, which yes, is, is always makes me feel like I'm at the dentist. <laughs> it's such a '70s song, and but um, but it has uh, moving out. Uh, the stranger, the stranger, obviously. The stranger. <laughs> my one of my favorite Billy Joel songs of all time, "Scenes from an Italian Restaurant." Oh God, Vienna, which is a great song. She's always a woman, 
I like that one. Beautiful song. Even though she's so a psychopath. I know, but I love that song. Oh, it is lovely. So great. Well, and I think that's what's great about it. It's a beautiful song about a crazy fucking woman who's going to yeah. ruin your life. It's, but it's like such my a, favorite kind of song. It's yeah. It, it, I don't. I've always found like this maturity of that song. Like you know, because it could be a it could be a sappy yeah you know, maybe a song. Um, only the good die young. And and then a couple of other songs that because uh, your your has, accent really kicks in when you sing along with that. I do, way. Yes, like yes. it is like come out Virginia, <laughs> don't let me wait, Gabagool. I sorry, and I happen to have the sheet music to this album. <laughs> Seen some Italian restaurant as I pointed out on, on Long Place a bitch to play. Because you're playing an octave with your left hand, but you're not playing it at the same time. You're going <laughs> high C, low C, so you're going boon, 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 and, and your wrist starts to hurt. Because I don't have very loose wrists. But no, this, I mean, I, I've been a Billy Joel fan since I was... Born. Yeah, I mean, since I was a kid. And this is the first CD I got, and I listened to this over and over and over again. And, you know, like I said, it, it, it's one of two albums on here that, that are just um, kind of the no-duh albums for me. Um, the other one's my next one, but we're going to do yours first. Oh, so. okay. So, I think finally, my Charlottesville is going to be showing I Have Under the Table Dave. and Dreaming Dave. by Dave. his first sort of big album that hit. I mean, obviously he had a couple um, LPs or whatever before that, mm -hmm. but that was the big one. That was when What Would You Say right. was on MTV and it was a big fucking deal. Mm -hmm. And then I went to UVA that summer and that's when they indoctrinate you into the, <laughs> the wisdom of, of Thomas Jefferson and the yeah. cult of Dave <laughs> Matthews. <laughs> so um, I'm just a product of my my, my indoctrination. But um, but yeah, and I, I could still listen to it. And actually, mm -hmm. we um, my first year roommate and I, we used to, before we go to sleep at night, we would kick the Dave, which was our, our phrase, and that meant it was time to like, throw Dave Matthews on and go to sleep. So... It was it was a huge part of my first year. It was, and then of course when Crash came out, yeah, that was, it was a huge of, part. That was at the end of our, our yes. first year. Yes, right? so it, that was a huge part of when you and I started dating. Yeah. We played yeah. that a lot. We did. And um, as I, I think I've mentioned before on a previous podcast, <laughs> things came full circle because I eventually when we moved back to Charlottesville, I worked for a guy who was best friends with Dave Matthews mm -hmm. and designed the cover art for Crash. Yeah, didn't he design the Fire Dancer logo as well, or am I thinking? I don't know that? if he did Fire Dancer logo. I just know if you if you course. if you've got your jewel case of Crash, open it up and you will see that it is credited to Thane Kerner, who was my boss yes. for a yes. couple of years. So, yes. um, so yeah, so Dave. I mean, I just felt like that that was the one that started it all. I would say though, my actual favorite Dave is probably Live at Red Rocks, mm -hmm. and. Um, 
before these crowded streets? Yes, before these crowded streets. I would say it's probably my, yeah, those are probably my two actual favorites. But given this time frame, I would say Under the Table and Dreaming and then. Yeah, because before these crowded streets came out when we were 20. We we were, yeah. 21, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have this, I, this, I actually bought this, I actually ended up buying Crash first. And then this, for some reason, I don't know why I got this second, even though I think I, by the time I bought this, I'd heard probably just about every song. And I think maybe the reason I didn't buy it for a while is because everybody had the CD. I didn't need to buy a copy of this album in my dorm because I could just borrow one of the three copies in my dorm room because three of my roommates had it. You know, well, so, again, it, everybody yeah. had it. <laughs> yeah, there, there, had it. And there were certain albums that you had in, in college, especially that like you didn't buy for years because everybody had it. You just well, had to borrow so it's somebody else's copy. And let's be honest. Let's be brutally honest. This was the shit you played when you wanted to mac on a girl oh, yeah, or a guy. Like if you wanted to mac on the dude, yeah. like this was, you threw it on you drank or you smoked or you did both yeah, and then and you then made you, out with whoever yeah, you were yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, yeah. it, you know, it, it was what it was. I also have the song with the sheet music to this. So, down to the basement. <laughs> I have this and Crash. They were, I, have, I have both books with the guitar tabs and the piano and uh, most of the songs are not great on the piano except uh, Satellite, Satellite sounds really nice on the piano. I was going to say, I think they'd be more like guitars. They, it's it's this mixture of guitar tab and piano, so like you're playing a lot of accompaniment as opposed to yeah the, main like um, melody. Satellite sounds really good, and there's a co- there's a couple of songs like um, that that sound like Lover Lay Down and stuff. The slower stuff does sound really nice on the piano. Mm. Some of the other stuff you're like, yeah, it's not, it doesn't translate as well. All right, so we're up to my next one, which I like. I said this Ugh. is another one on this list that's like. Well, no, duh, you picked this. This is Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. Songs, so I won't talk about it too much. I actually was having a conversation of of all things. Um, my department chair Jim and I were talking about Star Wars on Friday, oh, God. and he asked me, "What's your favorite one?" And I said, "My favorite of the movies is Star Wars. The best of the movies." Is the Empire Strikes yeah, Back? I would, I would agree. And I well, said, I would agree about Empire. And, and he best. said, "Okay." I said, I, "I think of it the same way I think of, um, <laughs> believe it or not, Springsteen albums. Born in the USA is my favorite Springsteen album. Born to Run is the best Springsteen album. They're both really, really good. I just Born in the USA was the first Springsteen album I ever listened to. So you have an affinity. For I have it. an affinity for it because I have a specific attachment to it because I've owned, I've owned a copy in some sort of format, either cassette or CD, since I was eight. Yes. Um, this I got, I was only familiar with two songs on it when I got it in uh, 92, 93, um, Born to Run and uh, Thunder Road, because I would hear them on the radio from time to time. And 
I listen to this. I still will listen to this all the way. I will even I will listen to Jungle Land, which is like a nine minute song. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> uh, it is a 90-minute song. It's this whole epic of gangs and it's it's Bruce. It's Bruce Spring Bruce. And it's it's a really well produced I think sometimes it's overproduced, but it's a really well produced album. And um uh your dad had it on record because over the Thanksgiving holiday so we took it they were giving away records so we went through it and we took it and uh, I was listening to, I was listening to it uh, a few weeks ago we listened to it when we painted the living room we did we did <laughs> so um, it's one of three Springsteen albums I have on record I have The River and I have um, the one that just came out that goes along with his memoir but no I love I love this I love it not just because of the title track and but because of the way uh, the way the band the way, how tight this album is with the band and how well put together these songs are do you have any experience with anything Springsteen aside from me like from from, wow. like, from like when you met me like how you know, presumptive no I mean like I don't do, do you, I know I know you've I've probably forced you to listen to a lot of Springsteen but did you have any did, did you that is to a true before? statement well you know I mean I was a kid who grew up with MTV so I mm-hmm. knew what Born in the USA and Glory Days and mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. But, I mean, was Bruce Springsteen someone like I listened to of my own volition? No. Okay. The Rising is good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was, the thing was, like, in high school, I was the only person I knew who still listened to Springsteen. Well, and I would say... So that's what's always interesting about you. I feel... I almost feel like sometimes you're a person, like, out of time. Like, when we <laughs> met, like... I'm like, yeah, you know, I really love, like, this artist and this artist and this artist. And they're all, like, on the top 20. And you're like, yeah, I really love, like, Billy Joel, Metallica, and Springsteen. And I'm like, WTF, like, who, what? But, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. So I would say, you know, the reason why I know all the lyrics to Piano Man is because of you. <laughs> um, and the same reason why I know all the lyrics to Glory Days is probably because of you so yeah okay um let's move on to your next one because you've oh. got three more and i've got two more sorry yeah okay. like, apparently i'm taking a lot of time no no so no no is... it's just well i didn't have a lot to say that i have already said about we might have some we show. might both have something to say about this okay and i'm gonna lead with because of acapella groups but the very best of indigo girls Pretty much, aside from Dave Matthews and the Fugees and Melissa constantly playing Mm. Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, Jagged Little Pill, and the 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 uh, not Days and Fees, the Reality Bites soundtrack. soundtrack. 
was this. Mm-hmm. So, like, I didn't really know who... I mean, I knew who they were. I just didn't really listen to them that much. But my roommate really loved them. Them and Zeppelin and the Grateful Dead. And I could t- give her... T- you know, don't really care about the Grateful Dead. But I really started to like the Indigo Girls because of this album. Yeah. And, like, we kind of got on a kick the last, like, month of first year listening to... Uh, listening to this and kind of having that be like the soundtrack of our last couple of days as roommates and the last couple yeah. of weeks as roommates and and then of course you can't go to an acapella concert <laughs> in college without them covering some indigo girls usually song. galileo <laughs> Galileo's head was on the block Crimes looking up the truth As the bombshells of my daily fears explode Try to trace them to my youth then you had to bring up reincarnation over a couple of years the other night. You know what soundtrack neither of us has on this list? Mm. Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Oh, God. Everybody had that. That, yes. That just, sorry, because yes, that was the no, other thing. I know, Every I female know. acapella group would sing Son of a Preacher Man. Sorry, that's where my brain no, no, kind no, of fired. No. But yeah. So anyway, Indigo Girls was a bit, and least complicated was my favorite song off that. Yeah, that, I like uh, that song. I like that. So that was the one that always makes me think of the end of first year of college. And I, I, I first heard of Indigo Girls probably my senior high school because I think I knew somebody who listened to them. I don't think I really heard the Indigo Girls till I got to college, and I think this is my first real, aside from a few songs here and there that I knew of from like Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. This was my first real look into something that it was pop like folky kind of pop folk. Yeah. And listen, if there weren't Indigo Girls, you wouldn't have Jewel. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have Cheryl Crow. You wouldn't yeah. have like that kind of Lilith Fair thing that blew yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I didn't know who Sarah McLaughlin was until I got, like really, really was very as much rock as I listened to. And I knew a lot more about seventies rock than a lot of my friends did. My na- I was so narrow in what I was listening now, to. Now, I knew Sarah McLaughlin in high school yes, because I didn't of know um, Possession. The, yes. That was the jam. Yeah. Even though it's kind of rapey. Yeah. Fun, well, yeah, Fumbling Towards Ecstasy was like 94, mm-hmm. 94, 95. Um, and Lil wouldn't be until 97, I think. I think, I think it was 97. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, this. I like. I have one of their. I have one of the greatest hits compilations. Yeah. Um, I think it's the only Indigo Girls CD I own. Um, aside, and, and maybe 
one or two tracks off of whatever album has Galileo on it. I would say, that, well, and that's what I was just about to say. Yeah. A week does not go by where our local radio station that we both listen to, The Corner, mm-hmm. doesn't play Galileo. Or Closer to Fine. Or Closer to Fine. They play closer. Both of which I will sing at the top of my lungs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was. Yeah. Makes a lasting impression on me. Opened another door yeah. to something I hadn't really thought about. Yeah. Well, that was my, my freshman year of college, and I think I brought this up when we were talking about 1996. That was the year where the music that I was discovering probably was a few years old, but I had been, again... You were late to the game? Yeah, I was late to the game. So, I just, you know... Um, but, at le- you know, at least I... Wasn't I was there? <laughs> right, better <laughs> yeah. late than never. Yeah, and this actually transitions pretty well into my next album because I guess this I guess this next band would be the would be actually kind of a sort of gateway into folk. They were more like alternative pop, which was Ten Thousand Maniacs, and the album that I put on here was their MTV Unplugged album. Okay, because, because they covered a Bruce Springsteen song. Well, that was which the is first... also cheating. Well, that... Because the night was the first song I'd ever heard. No, the first song I actually had ever heard by them was "Candy Everybody Wants," but the, uh, uh, the studio version off of um, our the time first meeting. song I heard was "These Are Days." So talk about yeah, late. I had, <laughs> and then I eventually bought our time in Eden after taking it out of checking it out of the library enough times to be like, maybe I should go buy the CD. My public library had some of my classmates working stocking shelves, and I think they they helped pick out the CDs that they ordered because they actually had a really good selection of CDs and I'm like I'm pretty sure that like you went to the library to get CDs well I went to the library for a lot of things and I when I first got my CD player I only had like three or four CDs and I remembered the library had CDs and I'm like oh I can go check CDs out of the library so I would do that and then I would tape them that's adorable (laughs) so I had like Steve Miller Band and um, and and oh god, REM stuck and, in the middle. Jesus! And um, now all the fraternity parties the I've Joker, ever been to have the, come like the Joker flooding back. Run and those songs, and I, and I would check out like comedy albums and stuff. Yeah, so I used to check a lot of stuff out all over. But yeah, but Ten Times of Meaning is MTV Unplugged. Yes, because of the night their version of These Are Days on this is really good. It's a really it, the, unplugged as a format fit them really well. Too, it did, yes, because they had. Um, they weren't very electric anyway. No. And there was this kind of jingly, as, as my friend Andy is fond of saying, jingly jangly pop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of, jangly yeah. kind of, yeah. 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 And, um, 
and uh, and there are some really good and and she which she was Natalie Merchant has a gorgeous voice, especially on this on this CD. Well, and then Tiger Lily came out when we were in college too. Yes, it was our first year of college. Yeah, so that was I mean I remember that being a, a really big album too, and another big album. Again, sorry, I'm like flopping all over no, the place, okay. not sticking to the list, but I just keep thinking about first year of college. You know, the first Foo Fighters album came out mm-hmm. either our senior year of high school like or like that. Yeah. yeah, it was like our like right before we went to school or something. And so I remember that being a big album too. I don't have, and it's weird because I probably should have like an album of theirs on my list. I don't, but um, that was like huge too because that that was you know people were like, oh, I don't know the drummer from Nirvana. I don't know if he's gonna whatever. Yeah. And it was a great album. Yeah, and obviously now now the Foo Fighters, I feel like. Are like elder statesmen now. Yeah. So it's nobody yeah. ever thought they were going to be like a, a big band. Yeah. And well, with, and with this, like, there were a few songs that they did. Like I said, I have a one other album by them, which is Our Time in Eden, which has These Are Days and, and, and that on. That was their last studio <laughs> album with Natalie Merchant. And when they stripped that down, and they don't have to strip it down that much, but where is this sort of live acoustic setting? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things she had as a complaint when she left the band was that she would have these very serious lyrics that they were kind of masked by these very poppy, more upbeat Uh melodies. And they strip a few of them down to the point where you can really hear what the intent of the lyrics was and, and, or, or they, or they make it richer with whatever instrumentation they bring there. And her voice is like really, really, it's much better live in that case. And, uh, Mm -hmm. And it feels, it's one of those unplugged albums like Nirvana where you get the feel of it being in a small studio. Yeah. You know, um, and, and there are some live albums that, there are some live albums that on the opposite end that make you feel like you're in an arena. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not the hugest Kiss fan, but I've heard some live Kiss (laughs) albums and it sounds like you're in an arena. Yeah. Um, you know, to their credit, but, uh, but this is, um. But the, you know this. This is this is. Their, it feels very intimate in that way. It's like you know, and and it's very very comfortable. I used to put this on when I was studying all the time. Mm-hmm. And, That's and how doing I, homework and stuff. My study album was Janet Jackson's The Velvet Rope, mm-hmm. and I actually feel bad that Janet is not on my list at all because she got Janet and The Velvet Rope. Those were two other albums that I completely mm-hmm. wore out. Yeah. This was um. This was one of those CDs that. Uh, I remember, I didn't buy it because girls liked it, but I remember it was one of those albums that I had in common with a, a number of girls I knew, so it was one of those. Well, you were always one of those dudes who's better friends with girls. Yeah, that's true. So. All right, so. I mean, I didn't mean, sorry, that sounded yeah. like, I didn't mean to sound so disdainful. I just, I mean, that's not shocking, I guess I should say. But, you know, it was just, you know, when, at a time when, when, you know, my friends really didn't venture beyond um, shit like biohazard and corrosion of conformity and what the hell are those things? Heavy, heavy ass metal bands, oh. mega death and like this shit. And like oh, I had, and, and me kind of creeping in the other direction and being like, you know, I, I don't have, I have more of a, pop rock sensibility than I have a, a yeah, metal. Yeah, how does one go from Billy Joel to Biohazard? I, I, I never own a Biohazard. <laughs> I had the Billy Joel. I had the heaviest I really got was Metallica and it entered Nine Inch Nails, but you know. But you know, Nine Inch Nails. Pretty Hate know. Machines are really good albums. So. Yeah, and I still like 
What's the one I'm thinking of? Downward Spiral? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, you have two more. I have one more. So number nine. <laughs> You're going to think I'm crazy. Yeah. Uh, so my next album is uh, Wide Open Spaces by the Dixie Chicks. Over moment with Shania Twain, like in the early, yeah, in the yeah. like early '90s, early to mid '90s, and obviously like Shania's second or second or third album was like huge. The one that had like, you know, man, I feel like a woman on it, and um, you're still the one, and yeah, you know, whatever. Come on over, yeah, I think come, it's come on, yeah. over, is the come on album. over is yeah. the album, yeah. So I had that too. Um, I wow. am also not a huge country fan, but what I really liked about the Dixie Chicks is. There was just something about that album that I really loved, and um, yes, it was country, but it was also, you know, they played their own instruments, they, you know, it wasn't, it was produced, but it wasn't as, uh, like, Shania's was very glossy and, and very slick, and mm-hmm. because, she, you know, Mutt Lang was doing all the production, but um, the Dixie Chicks were a little more, it was a little more homegrown, I guess, I could say. But I just, I don't know. I just, I, I bought it on a lark and I, I really liked it. I listened, I used to listen to it driving after we would hang out on the weekends at my house, mm-hmm. driving back to Charlottesville, like the ne- that Monday morning to get to <laughs> class. I would listen to, so it reminds me a lot of like driving back and forth to my house to, to meet you. And so, um, and I, I guess, again, if we're talking about gateway drugs, that was when I started thinking like, hey, I actually don't mind certain kinds of country, so let me look at, you know, other country artists where you can tell they're drawing their influence. And so you look at, like, Peggy Lee, you look at, like, Mm -hmm. Johnny Cash. And so I could appreciate it. I don't have a lot of country. I'm not super into country. But I I like that band. I respect that band. And it um, I still, you know, I could still probably listen to that whole album Mm -hmm. um and yeah i just i really like and i really you know jesus i respected them for when they stood up for themselves and people were threatening to kill them yeah i know because they said they were embarrassed that george bush was from texas and i'm like you know just watching that man fight with his poncho at the inauguration and i kind (laughs) of can't really blame them so you know i just (laughs) you know just a bit of levity there like it's i appreciate you know i respect them for standing up for what they believed in too and you know I, you, you can't really fault, like, feminist country singers for, you know, having a decent oh, album. When they came out with them, after all of that, their next album after that, and then they kind of went away, it was I'm, the song I'm Not Ready to Make Nice, which yeah. is such a great song. Yeah, it's a good, and that's a good album, early, too. Early yeah. 2000s. I, I, no, I, I like to just see, you're right about Johnny Cash, where it's like, you know, there's certain country, and it's older country, that... <laughs> I'll actually listen to I don't own any of it I have like I have one of the Johnny Cash albums but from, yeah, but from the early 2000s but it's not like I'm gonna let's go out and listen to remember how every once in a while I would bust <laughs> down into Rhinestone Cowboy just randomly it's like Glenn like a rhinestone cowboy. Yeah, exactly. But 
Dude, my parents have that out, but like Campbell records somewhere. Well, and you know, my grandfather, my, I mean, my grandfather was a straight up redneck. I mean, I love my papa, but he was, but he loved, but he liked the good country. He liked mm-hmm. like Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash and Glenn Campbell. And I don't know what my, I want to see my, my grandfather, my mom's mo- dad was like an Elvis guy. Like, not, like, crazy, but, like, I think he had a few Elvis. I know my mom liked Elvis at one point. But I, then again, you got to remember, my mom was born in 47, so if she, she liked Elvis, she liked young jailhouse rock, heartbreak hotel, not Fat Vegas Elvis. Now, see, I kind of have a soft spot for Fat <laughs> Vegas Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> I mean, live your life, Elvis. It's all right. You want to have a fried peanut butter banana sandwich, you do you. Yeah. But even even there are like three or four Elvis songs that I like. You know, like I, I've always held to the idea that <laughs> in the ghetto. No, not in the ghetto. <laughs> Only when it's covered by Eric Cartman. <laughs> in the ghetto. <laughs> in the ghetto. On the cold and gray Chicago morning, another little baby child is born in the ghetto. In the ghetto. And then Mama cries. Cause if there's one thing that she don't need, it's another bit of hunger, my two feet in the ghetto. In the ghetto. We've How's that for a 90s reference? We, we have gone off the rails. Mm. Off the rails. I've got one more album, um, so I'll get to it. And this is an album that is completely unlike the other albums because it's a comedy album. And it is Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer. Folks, I'd like to sing a song about the American dream. About me. About you. About the way our American hearts beat way down in the bottom of our chests. About that special feeling we get in the cockles of our hearts. Maybe below the cockles. Maybe in the subcockle area. Maybe in the liver. Maybe in the kidneys. Maybe even in the colon. We don't know. I'm just a regular Joe with a regular job I'm your average white suburbanite slob I like football and porno and books about war I got an average house with a nice hardwood floor My wife and my job, my kids in my car My feet on my table and a Cuban cigar Yes. And I, I, and, and the reason I put that on there because it was like it had an impact on me. This was the actually the first and only comedy album I've ever owned. Now I've listened to many of them over the years or watched the comedy specials that they were based on. Um, but I think of stand up comedy had a moment in the early 90s. Yeah. Well, comic Strip Live would be on... Uh, on um, and then MTV had the half-hour comedy yeah, hour. MTV had the half-hour comedy hour, which I would see every once in a while when I'd go to my friends' houses. And there VH1 was com- had the thing hosted by Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, and then it was Comic Strip Live on Sunday nights. and, and No, Comic Strip Live was on Saturday nights. It was either right before or right after Saturday Night Live came on NBC. Like, you could, yes. you could watch it. and then Well, and then the- HBO had... Um, the charity uh, comic relief, comic relief, and I, and I would I would rent those tapes from the video store and get those albums from the library. Dennis Leary was really there were two there were two comedic specials that I think um, were the first like more adult com- comedy that stand up comedy I listened to was this and the Robin Williams live at the Metropolitan Opera House um, mm-hmm. thing from '86. 
uh, which has one of my all-time favorite bits on it. But this Dennis Leary one, and I know, and I know, people who actually know things about comedy know that he probably lifted a lot of his material from Bill Hicks. Um, and there's a whole story behind that. But in 1992, I had no well, yeah, clue you know? because I had been hearing the song "Asshole" on the yeah. radio at night because "Asshole" was huge. And that was the album with it on it, and so I bought it. And I think I—I I don't know if I bought it thinking it was a stand-up album. I might have thought it was more like a dirty version of Weird Al Yankovic because I love Weird Al. Um, oh God. Again, me the loop, you know, completely <laughs> separate things. Here's the loop, the and here's you outside. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> way outside of the loop. <laughs> But so I listened to the first, I listened to Asshole on the CD, uncensored, and without the things bleeped out. And then I started listening to it, and it's the stand up at night. I was familiar with stand up, and I'm listening to Curse of a Storm, and, and um, really, really just laugh my ass off over and over and over again. Now, I haven't listened to it in a very, very long time, and I probably wouldn't find some of the bits as funny because some of them are very, very dated. I still love the NyQuil. Every once in a while with NyQuil, yes, I was still capital big fucking, big fucking Q. Yes. Um, there's a line about, there's a bit about, um, about, th- this is how dated it is. Talking about how heavy metal bands, you know, kids will kill themselves from listening to heavy metal albums, that big thing from the yeah. late 80s. And he says, if that's, he, he says, it's natural selection. It's the bottom of the food chain. We should have more that's the bit we should have more messages in the album and he ends with the line make sure you get your whole head in front of the shotgun <laughs> I just love it and it's it was it's just, a little aggro but, it, but here's the thing the next big comedy album that I remember coming out was Adam Sandler's They're All Gonna Laugh At You which Drew had and would play um, and, and a lot of, and we were all these little bits and sketches and things and that was definitely of the Billy Madison era. Mm-hmm. It was because that was like '95, and that was way more immature than this. And this got me listening to, or watching, or looking at George Carlin and Richard Pryor, and actually much better comedians than yeah. than Dennis Leary. And I still love, I, I still like this album. Um, if I had to sit down and listen to a comedy album, I'd probably grab like one of Patton Oswalt's. Yeah. Um, there was a thing where Dane Cook was huge in the, in the 2000s for a while. Was, his comedy albums were, were huge as well. I was going to say, the Dane Cook stuff that you would see, like when there was the one special on Comedy Central that played called Comics Come Home Boston. Yes. And he was fucking hilarious. He did that bit about the, the guys women, fighting. Well, the guys fighting and also the women's bathroom. Mm-hmm. Why is everything wet in a women's <laughs> bathroom? Like, it was... And it was just funny, and he was charming. And then, yeah, he had like a moment where he was terrible, and then, yeah. then, then he was really derivative. And I didn't like him, but it's funny. You're talking about like Dennis Leary, and you're talking about Adam Sandler. Obviously, we we all like. I can also quote Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore ad nauseum. Oh, yeah. You know, whatever. Um, but the, when I think about a '90s comedy sort of special, I think about Bring the Pain. Chris, Chris Rock. Rock. Yeah. So that's sort of my. I'm more like, yeah, I was more into again, more into that side of the spectrum. But I knew who he was from Saturday Night Live. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, Bring the Pain is brutal. Mm-hmm. Like, you watch it and you're just like, you're uncomfortable. It's hilarious, and it's very much a point of view that I don't 
will probably never will never have. I know for a fact, yeah. and did certainly didn't have when it came out. Um, but again, I felt like it was. I'm glad I know it. I'm glad I watched it. He's hysterical, but yeah, I mean, it's just interesting. Like when you, even when you look at something like comedy, how very segregated it can be. Very much. And well, and then when I even talk about women, the first comedy special I ever saw, which was completely, again, inappropriate, your parents letting you do things because you're an only child and they forget you're not an adult, me and my parents sat down and watched a Roseanne Barr <laughs> comedy special on HBO. Roseanne like Barr was 1980, whatever. Too. It was whatever, like her housewife, like I'm not a housewife or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right, right around the time the sitcom came out. No, right? it was before the sitcom. It was before the sitcom, okay. And we're watching it and, of course, completely inappropriate for like a nine, mm. eight-year-old to be watching. But again, because my parents were only a child and they were like, yeah. whatever. Um, not that they were neglectful. I think they were yeah, just... Yeah, no, no, no. I think a lot of parents back then were more loose with, like, the the entertainment. They were just like, oh, it's yeah. not going to kill you. You'll be fine. So, um, so yeah. I mean, that was, like, the first exposure I really had to, like, a comedy yeah. special. Yeah. But, yeah. And I had those comic relief um, CDs, and they I would rent the videos. And the other comedian I remember latching on to, um, and this was, um, it was kind of funny because... It, cause his political views would completely change and go in the opposite direction of mine in, in the early 2000s was Dennis Miller. Yeah. What, what I find interesting is Leary, Leary is more crude than Miller, and but Leary does have this cultural awareness or he's making references that I eventually would get. And believe it or not, I just, the very first, the very first purchase I ever made off of Amazon.com was the book version of No Cure for Cancer. Mm. And um, I don't remember why I didn't know that, but yeah. of course I wow. did. Wow. But the thing was, and I'm, I was as you were talking about, I was thinking of other comedians that were big back then, and two that I never really got that into. Although I appreciated the first one a little bit more than I, although I don't really like him that much either. Is either Sam Kinison, yeah, who I on some level I actually like a little bit better than I did back then. I'm like I can totally yeah, I see who where you're people. Say next. Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. I never liked Dice Clay because he wasn't funny. But 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 when Dice Clay was huge when we were like in junior high, but that, I think that's more of a Northeast thing because yeah. in the South we didn't care about some dude who sounded like you. But he was talking about out, stupid ass. And he was rhymes. selling out the garden in Mass Nassau yeah. Coliseum. That was very much a Northeast thing because in the South and we were like, what the hell. I and and you know I'm in seventh and eighth grade, and that is the exact type of humor that seventh and eighth grade yeah. boys find funny because it's you're cursing and you're making completely homophobic and misogynist jokes because that's what seventh. I mean, and it's not an excuse, but a lot of seventh and eighth well, boys have that. Well, there's of a difference really, between a grown ass man and kids. Yeah, and but I never found it funny. Well, yeah, it and I wasn't. was just like it knew because it wasn't funny, and it's that's the thing. Know, like it, even as an immature kid, yeah. I was like. Ugh. It's yeah. not funny. The only time I've ever found him really funny, he has a very bit part in Pretty in Pink, and it's actually kind of just, it's not like ha-ha funny, but it's... its He's in Pretty in Pink? He's the bouncer at the door of the club, and he keeps, well, he won't let, um, oh. he won't let John Cryer into the club. Okay. So he's got a couple of, of minutes here and there, and it's like, it's okay. actually pretty funny, but this is, what, four years, five years before he goes huge. Yeah. And it's this, and and it was this, this thing that I just, I, in all... Honestly, should have been loving well, that, yeah. at that age, and it I was, was just for like, your no. people. And yet, I ended up latching onto these. I was watching a lot of Saturday Night Live at the time too, yeah. and and so again, I I went for the stuff that was smart. I still go for a stand up comedy that is 
um, more political or more or or smarter because or or I had a lot of pop culture references rather than kind of just although there are every once in a while I'll turn on the serious comedy channel just for for fun and um, I really do find like Ralph and May very funny sometimes depending on he's the bit he's doing. Well, and, and you know, we, one of my favorites is we, Margaret Cho, yes, who, uh, I, who yeah. I have seen live. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. like and, hysterical and and rest his soul. Mitch Hedberg was oh one my of the god. funniest comedians that you've ever seen. Oh my god, it's so depressing because he was brilliant. So, I mean, I st- there are times where you'll even say, "Well, I will say something," mm-hmm. and yeah. I will say it just like <laughs> yeah. he would have said. I mean, like I love that guy because he like, was like he remind he was reminding me of Stephen Wright, yes, in a way, and very I like Stephen Wright very similar. And I, I liked I liked Jerry Seinfeld. For See, a little while, oh but not as much as some of these other guys. There are some again. I feel like Jerry Seinfeld is very, to me, very regional. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to complain about the most mundane, white ass, privileged, straight, <laughs> heteronormative male shit, and I'm just kind of like, all right, that's that's great. Your show, okay, fine. Like it's that just show not, has not aged well. Though. It's just you, not something that. Well. Yeah, I'm like, go ahead, fine. Yeah. So. Sorry, that was a no, no. But I, and, and Although it would be interesting to talk about things that we find funny right now, because there's not a whole lot I'm finding in 2017 or 2016 that's really funny. All right, uh, you have this is uh, this your is last my last one. fucking yeah. one. Yeah, Here yes. we go. I felt like so I had so I will be full disclosure. I had Ready to Die by Biggie, but I felt like I had you know kind of hit on some rap already, and of course I love Biggie. I I was East Coast actually in the West Coast East Coast mm-hmm. like alignment. I was more East Coast, <sighs> even though I had um, the Chronic on here. But um, I'm actually gonna pick a Madonna album because I feel like Madonna was very she's Madonna, so I had to pick something. So I went with Bedtime Stories by Madonna. <laughs> Say it's gonna be bedtime stories. Then. Is it gonna be bedtime stories? The boomerang soundtrack. Here we go. <laughs> um, so yeah. So some context for this because I always felt that even though this album did well, I always felt that this is almost like the lost Madonna album in some way. It 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 
It was underrated. Yeah, because it came out in 94, 5? Yeah, maybe she had. She, well, it came out after Erotica, which I, which was very uneven. Yeah. Like, Erotica was where Justify... Uh, uh, no, Justify My Love was on, um, the, great, on the Immaculate Yeah, Yeah, But this was the sort of extension of This was kind of after that, yeah. yeah after, this you was know. the sex book era. Erotica this was, was the, the sex, sex book, book era, yeah. yeah. So I knew there was something to do with it. Well, obviously, mm-hmm. with Madonna, there's always something to do with, like, boating. But, like... Um, and this was before Ray of Light. Yes. And actually, Ray of Light was my sort of... I kind of feel like they run in tandem because um, I feel like both were instances where Madonna kind of bridged the gap between certain kinds of music mm-hmm. and kind of brought it to the masses. But I couldn't mm-hmm. remember if Ray of Light came out when I was 20 or 19. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, so, because I actually like Ray of Light better. But, you know, Bedtime Stories was produced by... Uh, she worked with Babyface on this album. Ray of Light was 98, so we were 21. 21. Well, so almost, see, we were 20. Yeah, February. so Ray of Light was too late. But, um, you know, I really I really loved Bedtime Stories. Uh, Secret is a great song. The remix is also fantastic. Really, really, is Take a Bow on that? Take a Bow is on there, which led to her getting the role of the Vita. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I just felt like it was very much... You could see a Babyface's influence all over that album. It was Madonna's R&B album. And I thought it went really well with her voice. I thought the songs were good. Um, Secret was great, and I felt like it was more, I I don't know, I just, I really liked it, and maybe it's because I was very heavily in an R&B phase at that time, but, um, Human Nature is a great song, that had a great video. That's a great video. Bedtime, now, see, Bedtime Story was interesting, because you could almost see the bridge from Bedtime Stories to Ray of Light, because she worked with Bjork on that, that, um, song, and it very much had Bjork's it. So you had all this baby face influence and then like mm-hmm. this one standout that was Bjork and it was more like techno, more yeah. hypnotic. And obviously the, I'm going to talk about the video by Mark Romanek, which was amazing except for that one last shot where her yeah, eyeballs oh, are mouths and that freaked me the hell out. But that whole video was fantastic too. And yeah. so um, like I think even visually, music wise, um, it took up a lot of my brain space back in the day, so yeah. that's my final one. Yeah, and the th- and the songs that came out of it were um, well. I was just trying to think of what deeper came out and of deeper it. was the best. Deeper and deeper I was from erotica. Yeah, fucking love that well, song. I mean, remember, that's from erotica, and, and, but and, and yeah. Take about like take about. I was um, I was also makes me think of this used to be my playground, which was never on an actual album. It was on the soundtrack to uh, a league of their own, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then I'll remember was another soundtrack song with yeah, honors, with honors. Yeah. And, and I'll remember came out right. This looks like right, right before the bedtime stories. Um, yeah, and actually she's got that great collection where she um, does the cover of um, "Love Don't Live Here Anymore." Yeah, that's a. Um, I think it's just like a love song greatest hits yeah. album or something. Yeah. You have that upstairs. Yeah, it's that's a that's a great cover. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love me some Barry White. Yeah, actually, that actually, uh, that yeah. was actually released as a single. So I, yeah, that's yeah. a great that's a great cover. Something too. to remember is the name of that. Something to remember. Yep. Yeah, and that came out. Um, that came out. That came out in ninety five. Yes. Ninety five, ninety six, and then yeah, so Avita, it, Avita yeah. was ninety seven. Yeah. So. Madonna had a, a streak in the '90s for sure. Yeah, but I, I say this is like this—no pun intended—the sleeper Madonna album because it was that 
time in Madonna's career where she was releasing singles that were just, she was kind of just, it seemed like there were a few, there were a few singles here and there that weren't on. Deeper and Deeper is great though, yeah. which I know is from Erotica, but I, you know, it's interesting because when you think again, visually, when you think about that video, it's very seventies or in like a roller rink and it's, mm -hmm. so when she comes out with music and yeah. she's, you know, doing that <coughs> stripped down sound, but that mm -hmm. video is also very 70s reminiscent. And so mm -hmm. there are definitely like references that kind of bridge different albums and yeah. stuff like that. But And this was around the time, and I just remember this was around the time she was coming off the erotica sex book era where basically... There was a lot of backlash too. Yeah, there's backlash. A lot of people felt like this was Madonna sort of coming back to something... But I, I thought, I mean, I felt like it was her strongest well, album. Yeah, and as well as erotica did... Or, or it didn't do... It, the controversy surrounding it seemed to get more press than the actual well, album. Well, it's because of the book. In a big way. I mean, you know, you had, like, Dr. Yeah. Ice was in it. I remember... So, again, I mentioned my friend Chris in the last time we, yeah, yeah. we did a podcast together because he's the one who got me the tickets for the Asia Festival. He's a huge Madonna fan, mm -hmm. and he had the sex book. And so one day I was like, <laughs> okay, we're going to look at this book. And I remember looking at it, and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm there, there I, it is. I'm curious as to um, if anybody... I'm curious as to any, because I didn't know anybody who had it. I know somebody who worked at Borders who got their hands on a copy, but none of us ever saw it. I'm curious as to if, I'm sure if somebody, up. if it holds up, or like if anybody actually still has a copy somewhere. Chris like, still has it, I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee. metal cover? It has like a silvery kind of mylar cover. Yeah. yeah. Like if you flip the balloon inside yeah. out, it's got that cover. Yeah, I just remember when Ray of Light came out. It was the Madonna. It was the the next reinvention of Madonna, and the whole sound right. was that electronic. That electronic thing, yes, um, William Orbit. And then like music was. Um, I'm gonna mispronounce his name, Marwai or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, what it was more stripped down sound, but yeah, like Ray of Light was. I mean, so if you think about Bedtime Story being like the R Madonna does R and B, yeah. then Ray of Light is Madonna does electronica. But actually, like um, Ray of Light is great. Although I think some people put more weight on it because they're like, this was the album post baby well, and she's more mature. Yeah. But it really is just a great album yeah. and you know actually my favorite song on it isn't even wasn't even a single um and so candy and, perfume girl yes candy perfume girl is my favorite song off that one so check it out but um so uh yeah it 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 was great and then i thought music i thought music was good too and i actually really liked um Confessions on the Dance yes. Floor i was just about to say that was good too cuz i'm looking at her output in the 2000s and you have you have music, and then after music, you've got she's got that awful James Bond film uh, song, that. "Die Another Day." Oh yeah, "Die Another um, Day." I do remember American that Life. That wasn't good. I, that was cringeworthy. Yeah, that wasn't good. Um, there's that "Me Against the Music" song. She tried Brittany. to. She tried to rap. Um, but then confession hung up from confession. Hung up is Such a great song. Um, and then I don't think I've actually listened to anything by her since. Yeah, since I'd probably say since that. Yeah. One. yeah. So. Um, but Madonna was very much part of my daily listening in the ninety in the in my teenage years. Yeah. All right. Justify My Love is a great song. Justify My Love is a really good song, and I just remember I remember the video that um, 
It's so provincial now because you think about the shit you see on a daily basis just in reality. And it's like, oh, wasn't that cute that time they banned Madonna? And now I'm thinking of that episode of Saturday Night Live where she was on Wayne's, Wayne's World, World and they did the bit. Yes. <laughs> it's like, is that Prince? Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of any other albums that didn't make this yeah. list. And there probably are a few. I thought of one we didn't pick, mm-hmm. which relates to the last episode we did. Is Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. No Doubt, yes. Yeah, that was... That had more probably more of an impact on you than it had on, on me. Because yeah. you had you had that one. Well, and I would even say 311, 311. Mm-hmm. And Grassroots by 311. Yeah. Those two albums. Um, there are a number of people, I think, who were maybe slightly, maybe the same age, that would put Jagged Little Pill oh, on I this. I can't. I know, I know that... I'm trying to think of other albums that I saw on other people's lists. Um, Exile and Guyville... Yeah, a list there. Some of a my friends. Supernova is one of my favorite songs. Yeah, um, and uh, I'm trying to think of, and some people had some Cure albums, and well, I would even and, say, you know, Tribe Called Quest. I struggled with my rap, my rap albums. I felt like I had to go with the iconic one, but like yeah. if you look at like Tribe Called Quest, or if you look at like even Q-Tip's solo album, of course that came that came out when we were maybe 21. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, think so, tri- I, I mean, Tribe is a huge influence. You could look at the roots. You could look at. I mean, there are a couple of again. Well, and I had to go like all. I had to dig to figure out what I had listened to as actually as a teenager, as opposed to albums that came out when I was a teenager. Yet I yeah. listened to a few years down the road. Yeah, that's what <clears> I'm <throat> trying to be authentic to like what yeah. I actually listened to. I mean, I'm sure I could look back at like Wikipedia what came out between those years and be like, "Oh, yes, let me pick this album." Yeah. But I really tried to stay true to like what I actually listened to. Yeah, like I I had um my roommates had like Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Well, I had that too. But I rarely listened to it all the way through. I would listen to the songs that I would pick. Well, and I would even say Siamese Dream was probably I probably Siamese listened Dream to that I more. Yeah. Even, I mean, I just, you know, again, I think to the, although I will say, like, Zero is my favorite, um, my I'm, favorite song on the And I'm, I'm such a, my, my favorite pumpkin song on that album is 1979. Oh my god. It's just a great pop they song. They like, Mix 107. I know, but it's, so, it's just such a great pop song. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to, and I'm trying to think of when I got to college, what was being played a lot, and it was stuff like, um... What what's the dead album? Um, oh. American Beauty. No, I think that was the dead. No, not that I was listening to. That was being played a lot. What was you know like what was on the stereo? Yeah. Because my roommates were listening to it. That um, uh, fish fish hoist was probably the album I was hearing a lot. If you want to run me out of a room like straight up? Yeah, I know, play like, the dead or fish, and I'm just I, I was out. I, there's again. I can't handle jam bands. I mean, like, which I know is rich coming from someone who yeah. had DMB on our list, but like. I, I can't I can't my ADD will not there are, it. I think there are two or three dead songs that I that I that I do Touch like. of Grey Touch of Grey I like Sugar Magnolia I've always liked um, Friend of the Devil there might be another one or two that that I can that I can say that oh this isn't too bad but most of it I was just never that big of a fan well, of and you know what we listened a lot to also is Van Morrison I like a ton of Van Morrison when we were in uh, yeah. college. So again, yeah. like a lot of me for that was, and but it was like, and that was a case where that brown was brown eyed girl, brown eyed girl. But that was a case of where it was singles and, and yeah. original songs and not albums. Yeah, if I were to think of songs, I would say yeah. brown eyed girl Cecilia by Simon, Simon and Garfunkel. Garfunkel. Yeah, 
Unfortunately, that... Sweet Caroline, your favorite. <laughs> my, oh, my friends had a, um, that that fucking Jimmy Buffett greatest hit CD. Oh, I hate Jimmy. Yeah, I don't like Jimmy Sorry, Buffett. But like, please. and then I was thinking, and then I go back to thinking of songs that I listened to on the radio, and you mentioned Zeppelin, and, and my gateway into Zeppelin was that. Um, I don't even know if it was an unplugged special. It was just Page and Plant singing about the That was the gal- Yeah, that was the Gallo the uh, that album that they came out. No Gallows quarter. yeah, Gallows Pole well, was, was like the, the special, first, yeah, 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 um and single. The I latched on to a couple of songs, Zeppelin songs in that special and went out and found out what albums they were on and then bought I think it was Led Zeppelin 2 and Led Zeppelin 4. Yeah. And um, you know, and that's why and and both of which are still, and I have the other one I have is um, Houses of the Holy. Uh, but then there are albums that came out when we were in high school that I didn't pick up, or even I, I might not still own it, like Ill Communication by the Beastie Boys, mm-hmm. which I've never owned, but have the, or you have the um, the greatest hits. I do have the, so yeah, I have the greatest hits. I'm trying to think of other ones that came out that people were listening to, like I mentioned Sarah McLaughlin, and I mentioned, um, and there was also a lot of. There was also a lot of just disposable crowds. Well, I mean, what did I have multiple versions of? Jock jams. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of jock we, jams. We could do a whole. We should do a whole show on jock jams. We could. I could tell you about the the time I like, choreographed our Derby Days dance. Or like meatloaf. Ew. Meat no meatloaf got big because no, that would help No, no, no. That is some Long Island bullshit. I did not listen to no. You just, I listened to meatloaf. You stop it, Tom Panneries. I am not fucking talking about meatloaf. You can talk about meatloaf. And I'm trying to think of what else because because my sister had a couple of. My sister got into the Beatles around the time I was in uh, high school, so, so and tedious. So I, um, I had, I only have two full Beatles albums. I have Abbey Road and Let It Be, um, but even then, I didn't start listening to those albums until I was in my twenties. And then, um, no, I just remember again in Charlottesville, first year of college, the, the Beatles like number ones came out. Or no, 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 it was the anthology. It was box the sets. anthology and. <clears throat> Friggin' Plan Free 9 Records. Yes, Free as a Bird, which was like a damn funeral march. And then, like... And then uh, Plan 9 Records in Charlottesville would play these commercials ad nauseum that would always have I Am the Walrus in it. With, like, John Lennon going, like, cuckoo-ca-choo. I was like, I fucking hate this band. Go away. Well, that's like... Take your anthology and What were we it. just... We were just watching something on the DVR and some <laughs> commercial from back in Christmas came on and both was like, oh, no. And it was like, you know, back... Or like two years ago where that Vampire Weekend song kept getting Holiday. played. Holiday. Kept Which played is funny because it's about like nuclear winter. And they were using it to sell Hondas during <laughs> Coke, Christmas. Coke during the Super Bowl a few years ago used Nina's 99 Luft Balloons, or the, or the English yeah. version. In it, and it was this whole yeah. thing of like share a coke and a smile type of thing, and you're like that song's about nuclear war. I know. <laughs> so. We need a new song about nuclear war because that shit's yeah. going down soon. So. I guarantee. So, but um, yeah, no, I can think of. Uh, I'm trying to, like I said, I'm trying to think of other than REM. Because Automatic for the People came out. Automatic for the People was huge. Well, and Out of Time was out a little earlier. And which one was Losing My Religion? Yeah, out of Time. That out was of time. And we were in eighth grade, seventh grade. Yeah. 
So I still hate that song. I, Even though it used a very popular, you know, losing my religion is a southern, you know, phrase for like losing your damn mind. So, I mean, I appreciated the nod to the South, but I hate that song. Losing My Religion is a song on that album. I, I can't remember if I said this. I was I was on a podcast where we talked about this album. Um, I I think it was the one. I think that's the one on the album that I'll skip. I was like, I was kind of always ambivalent to it. I was yeah. just like, you know, I, I think I got sick of it after a while. The one on Automatic People, for the for the people that I will always skip, because again, I it's not a bad song. I'm just ambivalent to it. I'm just kind of sick of hearing it. It's Man on the Moon. Yeah, it gets played. Yeah, well, and I kind of feel like seriously, and there's just again, sometimes you hear a song and you can't hear the song without thinking about the video, and I think about that with like everybody hurts. And everybody hurts. Yet at the same time, everybody hurts. It's so of its place and time that I can't not like it because it's just like only REM could pull that song off. It's so earnest. And again. Isn't it cute the time that all-white band got out of their cars and they just walked? They got out of their cars on the freeway. What a statement. Remember that episode of Daria, though? Yes. The, the, yeah. The, it also makes me think of that. Like, the Daria. Yeah. Definitely. Well, we can... I think we can Sorry, we bored up. the we... hell out of everybody. This took, like, five hours. Sorry. Uh, no. I and, and maybe one day I'll do an episode on Queen and, and you won't have to... Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna skip that. Yeah, hard pass. Although all I mean, my, I love although Queen. My Queen. What cracks me up is that I love Queen. I just don't. I don't really know what to say other than that cover of their one album freaks me the fuck out. Still, News of the World with that robot. That's the one we rock you on it. I mean, I'm that just, was the first Queen CD I ever. I'm just talking about the cover art. Yeah. It was fucking freaky. Yeah, it was the first Queen album I ever owned, and I bought it because we will rock you and we are the champions are on it. I mean, I love Queen. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of '70s Queen on. CD. It's <laughs> it always reminds stuff. me of my cousin. Steven loved Queen when he was a kid, and like my bicycle was like his favorite song. Oh, bicycle race! Yeah. Well, that's like every time where if your parents <laughs> if your parents have champagne, it's a uh, Moet. Shana, mm-hmm. I think of Killer Queen because it's the first line they killed the Queen. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents are classy bitches. <laughs> and then of course you and and that and now I can't think of uh, of Don't Stop Me Now without Shauna the Dead. So I mean, just. <laughs> God, I love it's, that movie. Yeah. So, all right. Well, well. Thank you. Thank you for once again Sorry. sitting down. And, and You're having, you have a lot of editing to do. It's okay. I, I'll, I'll be fine. Jeez. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Later. Do you like American music? We like all kinds of music, but I like American music. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit. All clips and media are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review at illustrative purposes only, so no infringement is intended. Feedback can be sent via email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash popcultureaffidavit. For more content, including show notes, media, and essays, be sure to check out the blog, which can be found at popcultureaffidavit.com. This podcast is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which is a division of the Demanza Corps of Milan, Italy. You can support all the Two True Freaks podcasts by using the Amazon.com link at twotruefreaks.com whenever you shop. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit, and come back next time for more pop culture randomness.
And we're back! And we're back! Um, <laughs> we're so stupid. 